walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. It's the hardest. Walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. Yeah, get your boots ready. We're about to go on a trip where we wrestle nobody, settling or calling it quits. You're here for the grit, betcha this stuff is amazing. You're stumbling, welcome to the bump in the apron. Step into it, the hardest part of the ring. Here to bring fun, yeah, and this art is king. It's the best thing, making sure you don't tap out. Don't go soft with the hardest part cast out. And it's not just another one, it's clear. Off the rest, in this content, none can test. Take the nonsense off the steps. You know it's nothing but Pure gems when it's coming off the chest. Get it? Now it's time to sit and relax. Get your mind blown away. Ain't no skipping this track. Have you paid more attention? No listening gap. Get everything I ever wanted. No giving it back. Yeah. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Apron Bump Podcast. I'm your host, the hardest part of the ring, also known as Kyle. We got we got we got some two scoops action for you today. No cone here. Two. Well, I guess you can get two scoops on a cone. Uh, I feel like that'd be a lot though. I hate ice cream cones. Can I just can I just start this this episode off with a boiling hot take? Ice cream ice cream cones. You could shove them right up your asshole because they suck. They don't taste that good. Not good enough to justify having to carry around a fucking melty, melty rocky road or whatever you eat out of a cone, just drizzling down your fingers like you just milked um, your me. It's it's no, no time for it. Give me a bowl. I'm an adult. Give me a give me a bowl. Give me a. Um, just throw this shit right in my mouth. Just put my mouth underneath the machine and just shoot it right up there until I <laughs> until uh, until I have a brutal lactose intolerant farts later, which thank God you can't smell through the camera because I might have had a ice cream sandwich for lunch. Uh, by the way, my cat, speaking of which, no longer having diarrhea case you guys were wondering um if you're listening to these episodically uh you would have uh heard me bring it up at the in the last episode but if you're kind of just listening to this in a one-off um well you probably haven't made it this far because you probably tuned out um when i talked about shoving ice cream up my ass or something uh did i say that or did i just think that don't know uh (laughs) speaking of shoving ice cream up my ass we got ring of honor for you today uh two shows two scoops that's how i got on this uh we're covering june of 2003 today so we got night of grudges and wrestle rave uh night of grudges occurring on june 14th 2003 wrestle rave occurring on june 28th so roughly two weeks in between these shows and uh if you haven't listened to one of these style of episodes from me before we're not going to cover every single match, but we're going to graze our balls over most of them. At least touch the hot topics, touch the overarching themes that we've seen in both shows. Maybe some general Ring of Honor stuff from this time period and beyond. Uh, certain 
faces that pop up, some new faces, some debuts we get on these shows. We get some uh, appearances from some legends. We get uh, some title matches. We get match of the year contenders. You know what it is, man. It's Spring of Honor. I mean, you also got like the Christopher Street Connection doing what they do. The Special K. You got all the indie-rific stuff that uh, we love to uh, watch and make fun of at times. But with that, uh, I'm not going to drone on <laughs> too long here as I spent, you know, five minutes talking about ice cream farts in the beginning here. Um, but we have a lot to talk about today in this show. And uh, what I want to do here is kind of run down the cards of both of these shows. I'll also include them in the description of the episode. If you're watching on YouTube, it'll be down below. Uh, if you're watching uh, or if you're listening on a podcast platform, it'll be in the description. While, while we're talking about the podcast platforms and the YouTubes and all that, I usually forget to talk about this until the end. But if you're watching on YouTube, give this video a like. Why don't you give it a give me a subscribe ski? Give me a leave a comment. What's your favorite flavor of ice cream? What's your take on waffle cones? Do you have ice cream farts when you have the, the slightest touch of vanilla on your tongue? I know I do. Hella Dutch ovens for the softest part of the ring. And uh, yeah, so do that. Leave, leave a five star review. Maybe leave a. Uh, Leave, leave a uh, comment, not a comment, or a review. Fuck it. Yeah, you, you type a thing and it's a review. Five stars. Uh, buy a shirt. Follow my social medias. Follow the TikTok. Been extra, extra spicy on the TikTok lately. Twitter, Instagram, all that as well. And uh, yeah, shout out to my guests, by the way, on this episode. We got Troy from the main event marks returning to the show. Always a great time with Troy. Uh, you could find the main event marks him and his co-host Greg. They cover a bunch of retro wrestling as well. Uh, so if you like what I do, you'll like what they do as well. Very, uh, very, very entertaining show. Uh, they get more into like the news and rumors type of stuff more so than I do. Um, so it's it's similar but different. So add that to your uh, your your rolodex of podcasts that you listen to. But you can find them wherever you listen to podcasts, all that stuff, and. Uh, Follow them on Twitter at main event underscore marks. They have the link trees up there. Link tree backslash main event marks. All of this will be in the description as well. Go check them out. Uh, very entertaining podcast. And uh, that's why I asked him to be be back on the show. Always a uh, he, Troy's a good boy. He's not he's not just a boy, Troy. He's a sexy. Troy. I thought I had something there. I didn't. Um, but yeah, so. Before we uh, do a little, little spin, spin a rooski into the interview here, not the interview, but the uh, me and Troy talking about me, me and Troy bullshitting about Ring of Honor. That's really what <laughs> this episode comes down to is two hours of that. Uh, but it's a good time. But let me let me let me run down the card for you before we uh, before we strap on. And uh, I've already made too many anal jokes on this episode, so I'm going to refrain. Um. Night of Grudges, like I said, uh, occurring on June 14th, 2003. And uh, like I said, we won't touch on each and every match, uh, but we'll at least allude to most of it. So we got a uh, the Carnage crew, the team of DeVito and Loke versus the Christopher Street Connection. We got uh, a match between Matt Stryker and Chance Beckett. A little pure, pure division action. 
We got a four-corner survival match. John Walters versus Chris Sabin versus Justin Credible versus Homicide. What a, what a cast of characters. We got a no-DQ tag team match. The team of BJ Whitmer and Raven versus the Second City Saints. The team of CM Punk and Colt Cabana. Eesh. That aged like milk. We got uh, Diablo Santiago versus Prince Nana. Then we got a tag team match. We got the SAT versus Special K. And then we got an ROH World Title number one contendership match. We got AJ Styles versus Paul London. Hoo-wee. And then uh, the main event of this show, the losing faction must disband. It's a six-man tag team match. We got the group versus the Prophecy, a.k.a. we got C.W. Henderson, Michael Shane, and Samoa Joe versus the team of Christopher Daniels, Dan Moff, and Donovan Morgan. So uh, two of the major factions that have been making waves in ROH thus far. One of them will be no more, and I think you can guess who if you've been listening to me. Um, then after that, we got Russell Rave, like I said, occurring a few weeks after that on June 28th. We start off with a tag team match. We got Jimmy Jacked Cash and Prince Nana versus the Ring Crew Express, Dunn and Marcos. Uh, Jimmy Jacked Cash, by the way. Jacked is spelt J-A-C apostrophe D. And he wears leopard print tights. So that's, that's what we're getting into. Um, I don't know if I actually said this on the podcast, but he's kind of like a max muscle kind of asshole. Um, but after that, we got Alexis Lurie, a.k.a. Mickey James, versus Sumi Sakai. We got a tap-out match between Matt Stryker and Chad Collier. A six-man tag team match. We got the Carnage Crew, the team of DeVito, Loke, and Justin Credible, versus Special K. We got a... Uh, just thrown in the middle here. We got a Ring of Honor World Title match. Samoa Joe defending against Dan Moth. We got a four-corner survival match. Tony Mamaluke versus BJ Whitmer versus Jimmy Jacobs versus Alex Shelley's. We got a few uh, few debuts in this, in this match. We got a tag team match. We got Christopher Daniels and Raven versus the Second City Saints. Once again, CM Punk and Cole Cabana. We got an NWA world title match. AJ Styles, the champion, defending against Chris Saban. And uh, the main event of this show is a tables and ladders match. No chairs. Uh, we got Trent Acid versus Homicide. Yeah, I know it's random as fuck. But um, like I said, all of this will be in, in the um, description, the show notes, whatever you call it. That, that, that Hopefully that allows you to smell what we're stepping in with this with this episode of June 2003. But with that, let's get right into it. Ring of Honor, June 2003, with myself and Troy from the main event, Marks. The yellow is so hideous on you, and I'm like, I'm not wearing it because it like looks good on me or whatever. I'm wearing it because I'm a Hulkamaniac, dear. Don't you understand? Yeah, it's like, well, I should have just been like, well, let me tell you something, brother. <laughs> then, you know, you grab her head and clunk it with her mom's <laughs> head. And it's a whole thing. Kevin Sullivan's yeah, there. Would, it's a whole she thing. She would have ultimate warriored me. Man, uh, not showing up. I don't know. Yeah. 
<laughs> no, job me out. Yeah, yeah. You would you would have been the Triple H in that scenario. That's for sure. Yeah, but I would have got my I would have got my revenge like uh, what, six years later in a in a horrible massacre of a match. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it could have been a whole thing, but unfortunately, I know. unfortunately, yeah. it's not. Yeah, sorry, there's no Hulk Hogan on these shows though. Nope. I know. I was like, I can't find. I have one Ring of Honor shirt. I think it was a. It's a Davy Richards shirt, so it wouldn't have met, it wouldn't mm. match up anyway. But I'm yeah. like, whatever. <laughs> It is what it is, but um, yeah. yeah, we're recording, by the way, in case you weren't uh, abreast to it. Oh, yeah, I, I saw a pop-up. Some people don't. Sometimes we're like 10 minutes in, or like, oh, are we fucking recording now? How it dare is what you? It is. <laughs> Just trying to sneak, you know, you getting in your racial slurs or whatever it is before you think oh, yeah. recording. Well, I am wearing a Hulk Hogan shirt, so. Yeah, it's implied. I'll probably have to blur it out on the on the YouTube, but it's okay. It's yeah, okay. It might trigger some people, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, man. So you got a you got a chance to watch a couple of Ring of Honor shows. What you think of them? They were shows. All right, that's yeah. all we got. That's all the time we got, folks. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, they were they were they were fun. I mean, yeah, a couple of decent matches on each one. I mean, it's chibi ring of honor man uh some good some bad it was like super the thing is they became less indie-rific as time went on and this was certainly mm-hmm. during the uh i can't think of like a better description than that super indie-rific at this time yeah were you watching ring of honor around this time or have you have you ever watched ring of honor like consistently uh not consistently i th- there for a while i tried to keep up with it when uh when Cornette was booking and they were on uh, was it HD net. Mm, um, right. I tried to, I tried to keep up with it then. Um, before that I, I'd seen matches. I don't think I ever saw like a full show before mm-hmm. then. So I basically saw whatever back when YouTube had a lot more lax rules with things. Um, yeah. People would share like, you know, half a show or a full match or something. And I could catch up with a lot of that back in the day. Yeah, I used to uh, I used to LimeWire ROH shows myself. This is back. I've actually probably stopped watching around the HDNet era, um, but I probably watched like in 2007, 08, 09 kind of time frame. But uh, either way, this show here in 2003 is very different than both of the, our experiences of watching in the past. Yeah, this was I mean, I worked as as like a cameraman production guy in a local indie fed. I mean, this was very similar to the DVDs and shows and stuff they would put on because it was like very little uh, storyline stuff going on. A lot of, you know, match after match after match. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I can't remember. I, cause I wasn't paying too much attention to like the camera work and stuff like that. But I think they only had like one, maybe two cameras. Throughout they had, they had like a hard cam and then like one or two, handhelds running around there yeah um oddly enough that's what when i when i was doing the the indie stuff uh we had a there was like a local public access place or if you pay them like a rental fee every month mm-hmm. you can get their um you could use their equipment you just had to at the end of it you had to give them like a dvd of whatever so that they had something to air and uh so we had like professional camera equipment and we had like 
Uh, we had two hard cams on like two corners of the building. And then every once in a while, one of us would go handheld around the ring. And then like one guy would do the switcher board in the back. So we could do live to tape. And mm-hmm. That's probably something similar to what they were doing in 2003. So, I mean, that's what I would think. Yeah, man, <laughs> you should uh, you should check out a, a 2002 show because <laughs> The production value and even like the, the storyline element is way better in 2003 than it is in 2002. Because 2002, man. Oh, wow. So they're in the, the second show, Wrestle Rave. It takes place in the Murphy Rec Center, which is where pretty much all the 2000 show or 2002 shows took place. But they had, didn't have like the lighting. So it was just bright. It was just like whatever the, the base lighting is of the basketball court. So it just looked awful. It looked like a gym. They've made oh, wow. strides to at least, you know, even though it would get way too dark at some points and like some of the entrances and stuff like that. But um, and the strobe lights might be a little seizure at some instances, but uh, yeah. they're making strides, <laughs> even like the new canvas. And I'm, I'm watching all these shows, you know, chronologically. So I'm noticing like the like the new ring canvas and all that stuff. And um, certain sh- the audio is a little bit better and. I think uh, 2002 was definitely very much, like you said, just kind of match, 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 match. And honestly, these two shows kind of did have that feel. I I don't know what it was about the flow of like both of these shows that kind of felt. I don't know. Like like you said, it just felt like a bunch of wrestling, although there are storylines embedded within it, but um, only a few of them and only really one that's like significant. So. Well, two, you brought up ROH in 2002 and compared to three. The thing I had forgotten there until I watched the shows and and my own show, I did one from 2002 with a, a Ring of Honor story, sort of a Ring of Honor story in it. Um, mm-hmm. Rob Feinstein was like higher up in Ring of Honor at the time. Yeah. Like what what position was like, did he did he actually run Ring of Honor or like, do you know? Yeah. So and I could be wrong on this a little bit, but it's tied to ECW. I think RF Video was was Rob Feinstein's company was selling ECW tapes and all that stuff. And then when ECW went out of business, they basically needed something else to supplement that. And that's kind of why Ring of Honor was created in the first place. So I, I guess owner, I don't know if that's his exact <laughs> title. Cause I know like Gabe Sapolsky's there. He's like, he books yeah. all this stuff. So I don't know if that's what he is, which by the way, yeah, Gabe is one of the commentators. If you didn't uh, gather Chris, Chris yeah. Lovey, I think is his alias. He's the more annoying one. If you weren't sure. Was uh Prezak there? Was he one of the commentators? So I looked into it and he doesn't get there until like 2007, which wow, I am really? super bummed to hear that fucking Gabe is commentating until like late 2006. Cause I, God, I hope it gets better because it, I mean, I, I, I almost bring it up on every ring of honor <laughs> review that I do. It actively hurts the show. I thought, I don't know. What were your thoughts on commentary during these shows? Oh dude, I had sent you a note where I said, um, all I could think of was just like the, they knew the owner, they knew the booker or something like that. And they were like, I've always wanted to do commentary on a wrestling show. And they're like, yeah. Oh yeah, let's, uh, yeah, let's throw you on there. Cause you know, you want to do it not cause you're good or anything like, I don't know that. And one of the aspects, this isn't on them. I mean, you're I, some ways you can hone it. Some ways you can't. Um, but 
they didn't have the voice for it. Like I can't like just listening in. It's like, it's not that they were doing anything just incredibly bad. Uh, Mm. Some, sometimes they were not good. I will say that they're, they're definitely not experienced, but even if they like had the, the timing down and all that stuff, they just, they sound awful. Like they didn't have comp, yeah. like they didn't have the, the good voice that you want to tune in for. Like, um, like with UFC, I think about like, uh, John Borianic, I think was his name. Uh, he, uh, like, I like him. I, Cause I, I like his voice. I think he's got a great mm-hmm. commentary voice. Uh, I don't watch enough UFC and I'm not in, in MMA enough to know, but, my co-host Greg is, and he said he's not very good. So I'm like, yeah, see, I don't know. That's why we, I like Vince McMahon as a kid because he had a cool voice. like uh, I guess the voice, like just the sound of the voice, I get. But man, once you like oh, sit oh, back yeah. and listen he's to awful. what he's saying, one, two, oh, three. Oh yeah. Every oh, I did a I did a walk through '95, and he commentated every event, and yeah, just like. Two seconds into the match, there'd be like a you know a, a quick pin. It's like a one count. Right? One, two, he's got oh, no, he did. <laughs> uh, I want to maneuver. And Even like the like, one maneuver that. stuff, I'm fine with. He's just like man, and him Dumb. and Jerry Lawler had no chemistry. I don't know if how recently watched Lawler this stuff, just, but Lawler just spent two hours shitting on him, and then he'd be like, "Well, hey now." He didn't know how to volley back and forth. He would just be like, yeah. like Lawler would tell a joke and he'd be like, what? Oh, what, is, what is that supposed to mean? Oh, Lawler was taking a steaming shit on his head throughout the whole show, like making him look like a dumbass. <laughs> and then Vince said, well, now I don't know about all that, Jerry Lawler. And it's like, shut Yeah. And I mean, but in terms of this show, man, my, my issue, there's a few issues I have with the commentary. One, it's like, so we're in 2003. We're kind of fresh off the Attitude Era. Ring of Honor's trying to portray themselves as very different from WWE and that they're sports-based, I guess, all that stuff. But it's just so hammered in. And there's so many points in the show where Gabe's like, oh, this isn't like what you you see on a normal wrestling show where the guys do more talking than wrestling. You know, this is real, real athleticism. And he's just like, talking over himself, tripping on his words, running out of breath. Both guys are. Yeah. And it's just like the technique plus the content and like they're, and we'll probably touch on them as we go through this thing, but there's like something like Raven and punk, for example, if you t- take a drink every time he says, this is a feud of the year. <laughs> it's just like when you just say it over and over again, like it, I, I don't, I, I'm rooting for it not to be the feud of the year just because you're annoying me with how much you're saying it or like he was calling AJ styles versus Paul London wrestling perfection. Like he used that ex- exact phrase over and over again. It's like, are we get it? Have that, that they're afraid of dead air. They're just talking, yeah. talking, talking, yelling at everything's yell. Everything's fast. It's, ex- it's exhausting. To listen to listen to. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. The commentary was so bad after a while, I tuned it out. And I turned it down. Yeah. So I, I have minimal notes on commentary just because I, I'm like, God, whenever I did turn it up, I'm like, oh, God, they suck. Yeah. So I just I tuned it. Out. I, I would turn it on once in a while to hear because some of these guys I knew who most of them were. 
Um, but like when Special K came out, I was like, "The fuck are these guys?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, I've heard of them." But like, right. I didn't know Jay Lethal was part of it. Uh, Hydro. So yeah. Right. <laughs> I knew. Yeah, I was like, because when he first came out, I was like, "Oh, so Hydro slash Jay Lethal, whatever is going to be in a match." Nope. He is so, actually in like one of the bonus matches. I don't know if you watched that far. I don't know if it was like I after the show, around. before the show. I don't blame you, but him and like he had a match with one of the other special K guys. I forget. I think it was like lit or something, but they actually had a really good match, like for no reason, like that the lighting, they didn't have any of the lighting. Like I said, it's like almost like they were breaking down the ring as they were having this match, but they went out there and had like a badass match because I mean, it's Jay Lethal. So I think it was pretty obvious that he was the star of the bunch for sure. The greatest first generation wrestler of all time. Jay Lethal. Yeah, you never you remember when he used to call himself that? Oh no, I thought you were just saying. Yeah. It. <laughs> oh no, he was when he was the when he was wasn't he like the longest reigning Ring of Honor champion in like years or some shit like yeah, that? Yeah, I think to this day he's still like the longest reigning. Yeah, he when he was titles. on that when he was on that long ass run and he shaved his head and he was part of House of Truth and all that, uh, right. he was calling himself the greatest first generation wrestler ever. <laughs> I, I thought it was clever. <laughs> That's a weird way to filter. Like who, who you're better than or not, I guess. But maybe well, it's like uh, it's like um, how whatever name you want to use for him, the addiction or you know bad influence or whatever mm-hmm. the hell they used to call themselves the World Tag Team Champions of the World. <laughs> Had their little oh, martini. They, they're they're yeah, the ones with the martini glasses, them. right? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, uh, Christopher Daniels always had to have the full martini glass at ringside with him, even during his interviews. Yeah, he might get parched. Like, oh. Might want to sip. Yeah, you might want an apple teeny to, to wash it down. I don't know. Yeah, well, speaking of martinis, I just got to bring up Rob Fight. You brought him up earlier. I just had to bring up this oh, fucking God. segment he was in. I forget what show it was. I think it was Night of the Grudges. He was, um, how do they open it? It was like, he was like telling a joke. He was like mid-joke. <laughs> I think it was oh, Gabe God. holding the camera. And he's like, okay, it's... That's funny. That's fun, Rob. But uh, what are we gonna? What's our main event gonna be? And he just starts talking a bunch of shit, and then simply Luscious walks up. And the previous night they had lost a match where the the group had to disband, yeah. which we'll we'll talk about later. But um, and Rob Feinstein's just like, oh, the group's no more. You lost the match. Like I'm probably not even doing it justice with how bad it was, but his acting was just horrific. I saw him on a recent ECW show I was watching, he got, he attacked, I think he might've attacked Paul Heyman. And then he got choke slammed by 911. Oh so I yeah. Would, I, um, I just watched that as well. That was, um, I forget what it was. They all kind of blur together, but yes, I, I do. Yeah. They all yeah, I do suck. Now. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to get some hate for that, but I don't give a shit, but, um, yeah, I, I didn't take any seg- notes like on like what was said or done in that segment. I just said uh, seeing Rob Feinstein be- in the backstage segment was an unwelcome surprise. That's a rough one. It's a didn't rough he one. didn't he get busted for like uh, underage girls or something like that? Oh yeah, oh yeah. You don't know the um, I for- I forget the specifics. I know he was like in a chat room with the underage girl and yeah, I knew there was something about that, and he got busted. I was like. I didn't really follow the story mm-hmm. too well. I, I, I'd heard about it for a while and then I kind of fell out of it because I wasn't deep into the internet wrestling community at the time. But mm-hmm. I was like, at the time, because I didn't watch ECW, so I didn't know who this guy was at the time. I was like, who the 
hell was Rob Feinstein? And I found out he was with Ring of Honor, and I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. well, that kind of sucks. Yeah. Um, and is that when when Kerry Silken stepped in? I believe so, yeah, because they had to okay. reshuffle a lot when he left, and I, I believe that is when he uh, he came in. Again, I could be wrong, but um, yeah. it is what it is. But <laughs> but yeah, the, the Night of the Grudges, Russell Rave. So there were a few uh, debuts. Names. <laughs> yeah, first of all, I guess, what do you, what, you think of the names? Night of the Grudges, oh. Russell Rave, which was your favorite? Oh, God, it makes uh, ECW's naming look, you know, genius. <laughs> like, Barbed wire hoodies and choke slams, 1995. Yeah, that one was... Uh, Russell Palooza, oh. uh, Big Apple Blizzard, or that. I don't even know if <laughs> they, they had some dumb ass names. Yeah. Uh, but this, I was like, they didn't even like try. It's like they used like an early um, internet like name generator. And they're like, let's go with it. Well, Troy, the, the, the first night, there was just a lot of grudges that had to be settled. And oh, of course, it took place at night, so it kind of just falls into place there. I think it's pretty obvious. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, and wrestle well, rave. Like, I mean, there was a rave, so there's wrestling. Yeah, I, I, I assume the rave was about Special K. I, I don't freaking I thought it was going to be Jimmy Rave myself, but it, it was not. That would have been better. Yeah. <laughs> Special K. I was when Special K came out to the ring, I was like, who are these children? You don't like Special K? No, they sucked. I was you like, more of a cinnamon toast crunch kind of guy. <laughs> Aha! <laughs> We're having fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, Special K came out to the ring. I was like, "Oh, there's Jay Lethal with a bunch of children in baggy <laughs> pants." I was like, "They're all wearing Jinkos. Like they look like every kid from my middle school in the '90s." I'm like, "I." Did you go to a? Because uh, I, their gimmicks like they're like wealthy kids that like use their parents' money and live in the oh, suburbs God. and go to raves. and I did not know all that. I knew they had Mikey Whipwreck with them, so I instantly didn't give a shit. But for some um, fucking reason. <laughs> I, I kid. I like I actually I don't hate Mikey Whipwreck. I think he he's he's not great, but he's pretty good, especially compared to the children. He was really great. So Yeah. I mean um so it kind of so Mikey Whipwreck, he trained a lot of the guys on the roster. Um, I think like SAT, um, Amazing Red, maybe. I don't know if he trained Amazing Red, but um there was a bunch of like indie guys, basically. And then they had a um what was it? I think it was an eight on ten tag team match <laughs> at, at the one year anniversary. Mikey Whipwreck turned on all his trainees and joined Special K. Mikey gave each individual member of that team a whippersnapper, just one after the other, like a karate oh, movie. Oh, man. You got to keep Mikey Whipwreck strong in 2002, I suppose. Man, that's we had, and we didn't see another turn that gigantic since daddy ass turned on the ass boys. Man, those those are your milestones in wrestling is Mikey Whipwreck turning on who gives a fucking day guys and Billy Gunn. Exactly. Like, I know. I mean, I'll always remember where I was the day that, you know, Billy Gunn turned on his sons. I, yeah, it just yeah. really hit really hit you in your heartstrings, didn't it? I mean, I, I got it. I'm in my cart right now. I've got the scissor me daddy ass T-shirt. So you know, <laughs> waiting for my next payday. 
How's, how's your wife going to feel about that one? Yeah, I also got to get the new Wardlow shirt that says, pin me, War Daddy. <laughs> is that a real shirt? I saw a that picture is. of that. Like, wh- who's designing this shit? I guess it's free to design something if people buy it, you know? <laughs> These days, you I, can put anything on a shirt. I can't imagine a, like, a, a heterosexual male wearing a shirt that says, pin me, War Daddy. But maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I don't know what audience they're going for with it. Yeah, I mean, you could probably wear that to the gym, right? Cut the sleeves off. Sure. Yeah. It, it will get across the wrong message at all, I don't think. Yeah, it'll, uh, it'll draw some eyeballs, I'll say that. It will. It will. But you know who didn't draw any eyeballs? It's Special K. So, yeah. uh, yeah. <laughs> I guess uh, in-ring, what did you think of their, uh, if I can find, what the, they were in like kind of who gives a shit matches i think but um were they on the first show oh, Night of the yeah they were because i remember being traumatized by their appearance uh that's right they, they face sat at uh night of the grudges and uh so it was the maximos versus special k represented by dixie and mikey whipwreck so mikey was actually a, a wrestler in this match normally he's kind of just like a manager type character but uh yeah, yeah. it was <laughs> special k the thing about special k is that they're very botchy, but they can get away with it because they're on drugs. So sure, it's yeah. doing, a, doing a lot of E, as commentary told us over and over again. Why you would pop a bunch of ecstasy and then go to the ring? Who knows? Name but, it. Um, yeah, I, I mean, my first note about it, because this was the first time I seen him, I said, Jay Lethal's part of Mikey Whipwreck's weird-ass raver entourage called Special K. Yeah, it, it's so funny to see Jay Lethal as just like a background character when he's going to have a significantly better career than all these guys combined. Well, he was training for, you know, 20 years down the road when he would be relegated to dark. <laughs> Is that what was in his mind at this yeah, very moment? Yeah, like, I'm training for, you know, my future uh, mid-card YouTube match. Okay. The yeah. foresight on Jay Lethal. This guy's really ahead of his time. I know, right? <laughs> but uh yeah very indie-rific match as you kind of mentioned there's a uh, sat does have some fun double team maneuvers I, I i do love sat did i say special care i meant sat um yeah. they, they're really innovative at this point they did like a uh a stretch muffler slam i guess guess is how i would describe it where they both kind of flip the guy um there's like a, a camel clutch boston crab combination and the other guy like did a running drop kick on so so there was some good stuff um they were in tna for a while before they <clears throat> before they were on tv were they yeah yeah like that's like early days right oh two or three yeah the pay-per-view exclusive days um yeah, I, I never really saw much out of them. I'd seen, like, you know, the gifts and whatever of high spots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they were in the ring with Dixie and, and uh, Mikey Whipwreck. Not the Dixie from TNA. Um, but <laughs> I wish. <laughs> right. That might have been, been. Yeah, might, been better quality. <laughs> but, uh, no, yeah, SAT, I mean, they were fun, but they were, they were one of them teams. I, I put this for a few guys. I'm like, they were fun for indie standards, but they could never get over in like a WWE or something like that. I don't, I don't think. 
Maybe not. I, I don't know if I've ever heard them cut a promo in the because I've watched every show for like a year and a half worth of Ring of Honor. I don't think I've once heard them talk. I don't know if they even speak Spanish, to be honest. Um, yeah, I don't know. Or speak English. Um, but they're really good in the ring. But like the Spanish flies, some is a move that we see every day nowadays. And they're kind of the guys that innovated that. And a lot of different yeah. double team moves they do. I feel like people have picked and plucked little things for their, from their arsenal. So, yeah, it's, I mean, that, that's one thing that's sad about the evolution of wrestling is like, uh, you know, certain moves that's like, man, it just gets used and abused is like, you know, um, cutoff moves nowadays it's like back mm-hmm. then it was like man you couldn't wait for them to hit that move now it's like you know half the crap that you know seth rollins does in every single match mm-hmm. was like a finisher back you know even in o2 yeah no like even in this match there was an air raid crash by one of the maximos onto dixie on the apron and that was very much it was portrayed like a devastating like he's never going to recover from this he's dead his dad's going to disown. Like, it was a whole thing. It was devastating. Uh, but nowadays, oh, like you said, it's just like, a, <laughs> oh, well, he's now he's out of the ring for a second. He'll be back, he'll be back in, a, in a little bit. Well, well, it was even more devastating because, you know, Dixie was a small child. So, right. You know, there's that. Right. So got to factor break, that in. Yeah, got to break uh, factor in his, you know, not fully formed uh, neck muscles. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of child, like Mikey Whipwreck, I feel like 95, he felt like a child. But now we're seven years later, and he feels like he's 50 years old. So I don't know what the deal with that is here. I'm wondering, because you brought it, obviously, Special K is a serial. You made the joke earlier. I, so I'm wondering if they ever made the crack of, Mikey likes it. What? You know, you ever, you know the that old serial commercial where it's like, oh, Mikey will try it. Oh, Mikey likes it. You know, I don't <laughs> know. <laughs> they should have. I'm like, it's, I'm, su- I'm super, that's before my time. So, like. Uh, Cactus Jack did that uh, to him in, in the 90s. Like, because Mikey would be like, oh, we're all going to die. And he's like, Mikey likes it. Okay, look, if you're going to pattern your humor around Mick Foley, I think that's your first mistake, <laughs> first of all. <laughs> um, one, of, one of the only humorous things I, I liked anyway in ECW. Most of their stuff, I was just like, God. Oh, there's a lot of humor. Some of it isn't meant to be humorous, but. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> You know, man, Mantar showing up and getting chokeslammed by 911. That was pretty humorous, I thought. But I never did see that one. I, I don't know if I want to see that one. Yes, you do. Uh, what the f- I literally I mean, just I, covered it. Uh, Holiday Hell, 1995. Oh, give, wow. Give it, give it a watch. I personally, I mean, again, this was like you had said, it's not supposed to be humorous, but there was a, uh, there was an ECW show in, I want to say 2000 around Mother's Day. Mm-hmm. And Rhino just freaking destroyed the Sandman's wife and like just gored her ass <laughs> to a table. And then he stood up and said, happy Mother's Day, you fucking bitch. And I popped. I'm like, I don't know why. That was the most so hilarious thing. Yeah, I was like, that's the most hilarious thing on this whole show. He just effing destroys her and then says that. Dude. And I'm like, what? why? <laughs> Seen little petite women just get demolished by big men is in the context of wrestling in in, in a scripted environment folks is always hilarious and rhino kept up with that pattern in tna by the way we're doing a tour of tna in 07 on on my podcast and he does have to jackie Moore, and i'm like 
why are we cheering for this guy? <laughs> He's a rhino. You can't get in front of a rhino. I guess so. He's a rabid animal. <laughs> um, but yeah, just to tie a bow in this match. So, so SAT gets the win with like a doomsday device DDT on a Dixie. And then uh, tying into ECW, we get a little uh, appearance, a first time appearance by Mr. Justin Credible on this show. Yeah, he was in like a four way at, at Night of Grudges. The four way, I didn't really have much notes on it. It was kind of just a whatever four way. Um, but he essentially joined the Carnage crew, the team of DeVito and Loke. So, um, and oh, just that guy was which one? The I knew who DeVito was, I didn't know who, who the hell the other guy was. HC so Loke, like, that yeah, that's, okay. that's that's the man right there. Um, sure. <laughs> If you say so. I was uh, like, so he, he lost Angel, so he got this guy. <laughs> not not that, the, you know, I was clamoring for a DeBaldi's reunion in 03, mm, but. Right. Well, they're all bald. Well, I like slow locism. He is now. So I guess they could do it. Now. Oh, well, then. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, reun- I, I see a reunion happening. There it is. It's never too late. It's yeah. never too late. It's called X Factor and we'll be good. Oh, God. But Justin Credible can't use Justin Credible anymore, I don't think. Oh, really? I think he still does. Maybe Did he finally? That's, I was shocked on this show. I was like, I'm assuming he's doing this because they're like, nobody's going to watch this. <laughs> well, they do. I mean, with all the music they use and the stuff, it's like, yeah, they're just banking on nobody watching it. It was like ECW again. It's like ECW in the mid-90s. They're like, nobody watches this shit. We can do whatever we want. That's why they played uh, Natural War Killers on repeat for like 10 minutes. And, you know, oh, yeah, I mean, they WWE let Eddie Guerrero walk in with the Intercontinental title like they didn't really take ROH yeah. seriously, I guess. Oh, yeah. Well, they, uh, they I guess I remember at the uh, Hardcore Homecoming, I think it was. He had to go by PJ Polacco and the crowd booed the shit out of him. Mm. Oh, Not yeah, him, yeah. the right. name. <laughs> I th- now that you're saying that he did show up in TNA as well. And he had to go by PJ Polacco. So maybe it's just yep. no matter where he is and how notable They're like, are we going to make significant money on this? Or is anybody going to watch it? You know, I think they'll just let Justin Credible do whatever he wants nowadays, you know? Yeah, they're like, give him a break. He's okay. Yeah, he, he needs something. He's making that Applebee's money. Yeah, he is. Still waiting on that book, Justin. Um, <laughs> but yes. So Justin Credible is one of the one of the guys that makes the debut here. What do you think? Uh, were you were you a Justin Credible guy in ECW? I thought he was one of the few wrestlers in ECW. Uh, yeah, I didn't like his promos because it was like the Rhino effect, where it's like uh, I'm just gonna say a bunch of swears, mm. and I'm like, okay, I mean, like obviously I don't care about swearing, you know, whatever. But when that's your entire promo, it's like, what did you say? <laughs> yeah, there's. It's, it's still kind of prevalent today. Like it's, it feels like every yeah. English speaking guy in Japan <laughs> just has to. Like, it feels like that's what Jay White is. Like he just says fuck a lot, and that's his character. <laughs> I don't know. I guess it works. Yeah. I don't know. Just incredible. I thought was a great. I don't know if I should say great. He was a really good wrestler. I mean, there was a reason he was the, you know, one of the guys who carried the bags for the click. Right. Um, so, I mean, they don't, they don't keep slouches around. 
right. even um I, I guess he wasn't official an official member but um uh, the one who passed away from drug overdose spicoli louis spicoli mm. i mean he he was a pretty good wrestler he wasn't ever going to be a top guy or anything he didn't have the, the look brother but you know brad radford the, uh, you mean god yeah lest i forget uh you know, he missed out on that big payday with uh, uh, Larry Zabisco, you know, because he yeah. had that feud going on for him. But, yeah, no, I mean, they were all good. I mean, like I said, the the click didn't let slouches around. We can say whatever we want about Nash and Paul, mm-hmm. but, you know, whatever. Uh, but, yeah, when he popped up, I was like, mm. I mean, at the time, it was probably a bigger deal because he was fresh off getting fired by WWE, I think. But. Yeah, he was. And that, that was kind of the whole thing, especially because Russell Rave takes place in Philly. Night of the Grudges takes place in New York. And he was super over both oh, nights yeah. when he appeared, but especially in Philly. Like, God, it was like God just showed up and took a shit in the middle of the ring. Like, the crowd loved it. Um, oh, man. If Shane Douglas showed up, man, they would have just ruined their pants. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, good. Thank God. If, if there's anything we could say about these shows. No Shane Douglas, so that ups it a star, I think. Oh, like I see. I don't know. You must you you're in the same camp as uh, my co-host, I guess. I <laughs> I hate Pittsburgh, but I love almost every wrestler that comes out of Pittsburgh, and mm-hmm. he's one of them. And I hate that he wears Steeler colors all the time. But I don't know. I've always been a big fan of Shane Douglas. He's never. I don't think he's ever put on like a bunch of five star matches, but Mm -hmm. I always thought he was a a decent character when he wasn't doing the typical, I say a bunch of swears, so I'm cool. Yeah. Uh, And he he was pretty good in the ring, I thought. So I guess I'm I'm fresh off of watching him as Dean Douglas and WWF. So maybe I'm I'm currently sour on him, but you're right. In ECW, he was a great character. He did stand out. Amongst all the, oh, I'm going to shove a kendo stick up your ass and make you bleed out your dick hole or whatever. Everybody, the pit bulls and everybody's saying. Uh, my, yeah, my my biggest gripe with him was he started every, the, the first part I don't care about. He started every promo with cut my fucking music, whether or not it was playing or not, you know. And then <laughs> uh, in every single promo, just out of the blue, he'd drop in, hey, Ric Flair, you're a pussy. And then, you know, it's like, uh, okay. Like, Ric yeah. Flair doesn't want to fight you, dude. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Ric Flair doesn't know you, Shane Nathan. It's, uh... <laughs> yeah. He's like, you know that guy who used to team with Johnny Ace? <laughs> notable. Very notable, for sure. Oh, yeah. um, but, you know, kind of just, you know, talking talking about Justin Incredible and the Carnage crew. So they're, I guess, a threesome at this point. Masada is another member that's running around somewhere. But he wasn't here on these shows. Uh, they had a match. Is he the Skewers guy? Skewers. I'm, not, I'm unfamiliar with the skewers. Where he jabs the skewers into a guy's forehead. Maybe. Or it's, am I thinking of somebody else? The deathmatch wrestler? Or am I? Am I? There's a couple off? guys that do that. I think I've seen Masada before, and he strikes me a guy that skewered a man once or twice in his life. So. Right. I, I right. gotta I, Masada. I, I, <laughs> I gotta look this up. Skewers I, in face. <laughs> I'm just like, who the hell is this? Yeah, that is. That is the guy. He always wears a freaking beanie or like a giant like reggae beanie or whatever. Mm, yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. The the deathmatch guy. God. I met him before. Cool dude. Seems 
seems normal doesn't look normal seems normal probably isn't the jabs like everything into people's faces and i'm like i i can't watch you wrestle dude like that's disgusting yeah well speaking of jabbing things into people's faces we got the christopher street connection here facing oh, the yeah. carnage crew it's their penises so uh <laughs> blowjobs so what what you think of the christopher street connection here facing off against the carnage crew I, I just like, I don't freaking know, man. I feel like this, they're like the third or fourth around this time group to do the gay panic gimmick. Like, yeah, we're super duper over the top gay. We're going to do a lot of PDA. And like, I was like, all right, whatever. But then the worst part was the one dude was going around the ring just making out with random crowd members. I couldn't tell if those were plants or if guys were literally just, yeah, I'll make out with this dude. I think it was just like I've been to a lot of wrestling shows, Ring of Honor, TNA, WWE, AEW, everything. And Uh I've never once like it's not really been an option. Nobody's been offering it up. But I'm like, (laughs) hell in the front row. It's like, come make out with me. Like, what? But again, like, you haven't been offered. So maybe you just, like, say, like, Abyss came up to you and was like, hey, make out with me. I'd Would be like. Pass it up? I'd be like, um, I got to go to the bathroom. I'll be back, you know. You wouldn't no let him into your black hole? I, uh, yeah, no, that's, uh, no shock treatments going on back there. <laughs> uh, there was there a guy at a ring of too. honor. There was a guy at a Ring of Honor show one time where uh, I don't like, like this Roman- segue. Well, he was some wrestler named like Romantic, Romantic Kiss or or something like that. He had like a mask with a rose on it. His whole gimmick was like the the old school gold dust thing, rubbing up on people and crap. Mm. And every time he would do something like kiss a guy or rub his crotch or something like that, there was a dude like the crowd was like would you know, quiet down at certain times. There's a dude in the crowd that would yell out, never do that again. (laughs) And he did that like five times during the match. And I popped every time. This, I don't know, this gimmick, man. I just, it's like, it, it's like the sunny kiss thing where it's like, so is your gimmick that you're gay? I don't know if that's a gimmick as much as like, that's just who you are. Well, I mean, the gimmick, I mean, their their gayness provides them unique ways of performing offense on their opponent, which I think is the thing. Like, for example, like sexual yeah, but, assault. Well, no, no, no. It's <laughs> wrestling maneuvers. Uh, like sure. there was one, one one time when they, you know, one of them hit, hit a backbreaker on. I think it was Loke. And then the other guy came up and. You know, because sometimes they'll do the black, the backbreaker deal and a guy will come off the top rope and a leg drop or a knee drop or something. But uh, Buffy decided to just kiss Loke while he's getting backbreakered. So it's kind of uh, that's kind of their plan of attack there. I'm just. Yeah. <laughs> the bullets on my notes. Mace so fingers ha- DeVito's ass. Uh, Buffy does the slug over DeVito, which I, I, that's what I call the move, where it's basically the, the worm, but yeah. you don't come back up. You just keep sliding and you rub your whole genitals all over the guy's face. Yeah. Bronco Busters, uh, of course. Um, with a lot of crotch and face. Yeah. 
Yeah, that was just Bronco, no bust. Uh, or maybe just bust, no Bronco. Um, well, there was some busting going on. I bust. Uh, then the Christopher Street connection hits the gay basher, which is a fun Oh, my movie. God. Uh, think Doomsday Device, uh, but instead of a clothesline, it's a big flying cock to the face. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> But DeVito interrupts the pin, and uh, Loke hits a knee face buster and a neck breaker, and DeVito hits a big old moonsault for the wins. So the Carnage crew gets the win at Night of the Grudges, and then the Carnage crew gives a spike pile driver to Ariel, who is the lady that's ringside with Christopher Street Connection. Pile drives are off the second rope. Crowd asks one more time, and uh, they oblige and do it again. So, uh, oh no, they tease it. Sorry, they tease it. Yeah. Like they're going to do it a second time. I was like, oh man, they're really just going to do it because the crowd asked. But uh, they just like picked her up. It's like, nah, I'm not going to do it. You fuck you guys. That was kind of yeah. Funny. So most, like I said, most of this match was built around moves that would be sexual assault, basically. <laughs> I mean, isn't most wrestling kind of sexual in a certain way? No, I, not like this. I, you're not making I mean, like out a with each other. Slam. A choke slam, for example. Some people like to be choked, so couldn't that, also, that be sexual? Just because some people get turned on by it in bed doesn't mean it's inherently sexual. You're going to tell me a tombstone pile driver is not sexual assault. Now, that's a standing 69. That's a little different. Yeah. Do better, Undertaker. Do better. Forcing his crotch upon their face, upon their chin. Mmm. That's really what keeps his opponent down for the three count. It's just the shame and the, uh, before he does it, he asks, you like dragons? <laughs> is that, I hope man. people get that joke. Somebody out there, some, somebody out there is ch- chortling their ass off. But, uh, I mean, we're, well, while we're just, you know, going over these ridiculous gimmicks, a lot of these gimmicks probably that wouldn't, uh, make it out of the Indies and most of them probably didn't. Uh, what what do you think about Prince Nana? Uh, well, I I had wrote down by the second show because I watched Night of the Grudges first and then I watched mm-hmm. um, Russell Rave. Uh, so I said apparently mentioning Prince Nana is an actual African prince is the equivalent of like Mike today mentioning that Relic is killer spelled backwards. It has to be mentioned once per match. Well, it's just so clever that you got to remind the audience. Don't yeah. Every time right. you say it. Or like an ECW. Every time, every single Balls Mahoney match, jo- uh, Joey Styles had to remind us that he was kicked out and banned from amateur wrestling for punching a referee. Was he's, he now? He's, he's so banned that he can't even go sit in the stands and watch a wrestling event at, like if his nephew's wrestling. That's what we Ugh. were told by Joey Styles. As if a guy named Balls Mahoney needs any further, like, backstory. <laughs> yeah, as soon as your name is Balls, it's like, get out. Where, where is he from? What was it Nutney, New Jersey? Nutley, Nutley, New Jersey. It's because it's Balls yeah. testicles. And why would you fake being from New Jersey? That's just, like... That's your issue with it. That's the, that's the vulgar part of it is that he's from New Jersey. That's the worst part. His name is Balls. He's from Nutley. I, I mean, like, but he's from New Jersey. Ugh. Do you know Balls Mahoney did a stint in WWF as Santa Claus? 
Oh, do I ever? <laughs> oh, 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 I'm familiar. <laughs> yeah. He was also what Boo Radley or whatever the hell in Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Probably. That sounds about right. That's because that's what that's what freaking Jim Cornette calls it. Anytime he mentions him, he calls him Boo Radley. I'm like, what the f no nobody remembers that except for you. <laughs> like I remember Santa Claus more than that shit. I uh yeah. Not neither really crossed my mind on a typical day, but uh yeah, I'd probably be inclined to agree with you. I, I have two figures of Balls Mahoney, by the way. That's not both, something you brag about. They were both gifted to me. I didn't like seek them out. They were like <laughs> given to me. But uh huh. I have two action figures behind me. I have two rocks and one Tatanka. So I guess I can't really uh, judge you. I get Tatanka was also given to me. So I, you know what? I understand. I understand. I, yeah, I have a couple duplicates that, like, I collect. I used to collect figures and. Greg gives me shit about some of them because he's like, why do you have two uh, Rob Conways? I'm like, again, they were both gifted to me. Like, Surprise. it's not like I seek. I was like, I got to have more than one Rob Conway figure. Like, I'm, I'm surprised they've made two Rob Conways, to be honest. One came in a two pack with La Resistance and one was him as the con man. Was that his? Oh, just look at me. Yeah, character. it's Rick Rude yeah. wannabe bullshit. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> that was good. Um, I, you brought up Jim Cornette a second ago. It, it, he made a little appearance here as well. Uh, it was towards the end oh, of one of the yeah. shows. He says he's coming to the Ring of Honor to, uh, I guess, in August. So the, the Dayton show, which is in a few uh, months at this point, I guess. Yeah, he Dayton. Says, he says he's uh, he hears that ring of he says that the ring of honor is the next big thing. And uh, he goes on because sure. at this point he's in uh, OVW. He, he says the next big thing. So, of course, he has to mention that he trained Brock Lesnar and all that stuff. So yeah. he's coming. Um, he's going to he's going to come to see if ROH is worth his business, which uh, lo and behold, in a few years, he'd be uh, at least the on screen commissioner. I don't know if he had any actual authority there, but. He had a he had some sway. I know that, um, mm -hmm. which is why ones like Kevin Owens or Kevin Steen, whatever, and uh, Sami Zayn there hates him because yeah. he told them to quit being such indie-rific assholes, and they didn't like that. But <laughs> the 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 one thing I remember about an on-screen thing he did in Ring of Honor, I don't know why it, it just this was so ridiculous was he was like telling Jay Lethal backstage he couldn't wrestle because he was hurt or something like that. And Jay Lethal grabs him by his jacket and like throws him over a table and he freaks the fuck out. Like he grabs his jacket and he goes, oh my God. And then he like whips his ass over the table. And I'm like, holy God, you act like he was stabbing you. Look, you've seen, you've seen mid nineties WWF. You've seen him and his racket with Yokozuna or whatever. And, you know, every time like he'll like have a baby face behind him and then he'll turn around and he'll be like, Aah! like all that stuff. He's the best seller that there is in wrestling. I think. Yeah. He's uh, he, he's, he's effing ridiculous. He's great. <laughs> he's great. Can't wait to see what he has to bring to Dayton and ring of honor. But, uh, oh God, it's my neck of the woods. Is it? Yep. I live, uh, uh, east of Dayton. 
I think Ring of Honor would come there a lot, right? Uh, did you ever, I guess you kind of got into it late in the game. I don't know if they did at that point, but. I was at the uh, 2011, shit, what do they call that tournament? It's not the best of the best. Um, best at our best? Mm, best in the world? Something like, I, I don't remember. It's some tournament they do in like the summertime. Mm-hmm. Uh, something to that effect, but it's like a one night tournament. Um, I was there for that. Uh, Michael Elgin won and then there was and then I was at another it was untelevised but I was at another show when AJ Styles made a pit stop back in Ring of Honor before going to WWE right yeah and uh, it was him versus Chris Hero in the main event so I was like well I gotta go to that that's good shit pal oh yeah was was that before Cassius Ono or was that like in between uh, before the first run when he got shit canned so mm-hmm. before the second run where he was allowed to kind of do what he wanted. Right. Right. Wait um, and all that, you know, you know how it goes. Oh yeah. no. But, uh, <laughs> just, uh, two, two other names that showed up for the first time here in ring of honor are, uh, Alex Shelley and Jimmy Jacobs. Two uh two kids from Michigan, the Michigan independent scene showing up here. Uh they were both involved in a four-way at Wrestle Rave. So it was Alex Shelley versus Jimmy Jacobs versus Tony Mama Luke versus BJ Whitmer. Um I love that name. Jimmy Jacobs. What what is what explain his gimmick to me here? I don't I don't freaking no like the whipping boy <laughs> i think it was he, he took an ass beating in this match that's all i know it's because he he would come out i guess huss is his thing he would i guess he was going for like a bruiser brody type of thing where he's like huss 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 he's like doing this with his hand and he's just like like saxton huxley i don't know how much of nxt uk you watched but he was, he was kind of <laughs> at a saxton huxley kind of vibe to him which jimmy jacobs i know him for the age of a fall faction that he would be involved in eventually, which oh, yeah. is very macabre. Like it's how Tyler Black, aka Seth Rollins, got introduced. So that's who I've always known Jimmy Jacob, like the emo kid type of thing. But it was a completely different. The zombie princess. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Did it strike you as? Uh, did you ever know that he was not that at some point? Um, no. The first time I was introduced to him was like you were saying, the age of a fall. Um, and it would, it wasn't just him and black uh i know there for a while he had like multiple members i think i think joey mercury was a part of it oh, okay um, there was some girl involved yeah there was there was a few people i want to say alexis sure. marie was involved at one point maybe maybe i'm wrong i don't know I don't daphne say anything daphne i, I think it is more of what i was thinking yeah i think i think that's it um but yeah they all wore guy liner uh he would he always posted these videos on the internet of him like playing acoustic guitar and singing like emo song, like, you know, uh, <laughs> dashboard confessionals or whatever the fuck. And yeah, um, that's, I mean, that's what I always knew. I was like, okay, so he's, and at the time, like emo was still a big thing, like mm. in the mainstream. So I was like, okay, I'm, I mean, makes sense. He's capitalizing on that, but it, I mean, that's just him. So yeah. Yeah, there's yeah, like a, f- a famous moment with him where I forget who it is he beats up, but he like bloodies somebody 
and then like hog ties them by the ankles and then hangs them from the ceiling. And then he stands under them as blood is dripping on them. Ugh, and he like cuts God. up for him. I forget who it is. Um, but that that's who I associate Jimmy Jacobs with. He's just coming in these purple tights and the stupid headband. Like, us, us, us. It was enjoy, bizarre. Enjoy your hepatitis. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, the, I, I don't know. This, why, when you're, and he's still, not like he's grown. He, he is, uh, yeah, I mean, to go back to the, he's a small child thing. He is. He's like my size. I'm he's like 19 five, years old here. Yeah, why the f- like? What what sense does that make to do like a Bruiser Brody type? I if that's what he was going for, maybe it's like ironic. Or whatever this shit. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. And then he comes in and gets his shit kicked in. So <laughs> yeah, it was um yeah. What a cast of characters here. You got B.J. Whitmer in there. Definitely felt like the the man amongst boys in this match because you got yeah. Alex Shelley, who's like 20 years old. You got Tony Mamaluke, who's just an FBI guy, honestly. Does that man ever age, by the way? Nope, he's always 12. Yeah, he looks, to this day, he looks the same. Yeah. he's He found that, that Lazarus pit that Christopher Daniels and Kazarian have been bathing in. <laughs> right. I'm like, hot damn, dude. I, I Good for him. Yeah. Uh, although I'm I'm one fourth Italian. I don't think it's enough for this to come into effect. But I mean, usually Italians age gracefully until a certain age. Then it just like hits them like a brick wall. So mm. I mean, he might have that coming for him. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry. I'm Filipino and we're the same way. It's, it's hair, 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 white. Just all at one <laughs> night overnight. So waiting for that day. But uh and- well, Shelly's pre-baby bear here, even. Baby yeah. bear? You remember? Uh, well, obviously, you don't with that reaction. Uh, when he was first brought into TNA, there was a blonde valet named Goldilocks or whatever. And, and she brought in Alex Shelley as like her boy toy type character. And she called him the baby bear Alex Shelley. Oh, no. That is horrible yeah. news. <laughs> <laughs> That was his gimmick for a while, and I was like, why the hell am I supposed to care about this dude? I mean, he he was Alex Shelley. He's just always the same, you know, cocky, you know, mm-hmm. young guy, whatever. Um, but, yeah, he kind of, that was his gimmick before he finally did the paparazzi productions thing. Like, Shelley Cam. God, yeah. Thank God he went into that because the baby bear thing stuck for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think he left for a while and then came back. And like you said, he kind of inserted himself into the next division. Yeah. Ring of Honor and TNA kind of had a fluid relationship for a while. And then it kind of got locked down. It might have been around the Rob Feinstein deal. I'll tell Um, you what I hated about that, though, is they assumed it's like AEW assuming you watch all their YouTube shit. Like, mm -hmm. and like, oh, you watch Being the Elite, right? So you get this inside joke. Like, no. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I don't want... At the time, I did not watch Ring of Honor. You had to actively seek out Ring of Honor if you wanted to watch it back then. Mm-hmm. And they had they would bring in Ring of Honor talent, which was cool. But then they would assume you've seen their te- the Ring of Honor stuff. Mm-hmm. So they'd put like, um, it was like Shelly and Aries and Roderick Strong. And they called them the Genbassy because it was Gen, uh, Gen Next combined with the Embassy. Right. I didn't get it. <laughs> I'm like, what's I'm not that at that point mean? yet in my rewatch of TNA, but that is hilarious. 
yeah, I didn't get, I was like, what the hell does that even mean? It sounds like an STD. Like a jealousy <laughs> from this whore over here. Well, if they really wanted it to pop off, they should have brought in the crown jewel, Necro Butcher. Is he the crown jewel? He was at one that was, point. Um... The crown jewel of the embassy was the fucking Necro Butcher. And, or, as uh, Jim Cornette called him, the jizz mopper at the porno theater. So, Oh. That's, not, that's never something you want to hear about yourself. <laughs> I thought it was a, an accurate description, but I'm not sure. Look, I'm not going to say you're wrong. I'm not going to say he's wrong. <laughs> I'm just saying it's a very mean thing to say about somebody. Look, we're, we're not incorrect, but we're wrong. Yeah. yeah. When you put it that way, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, who even wins this match? I think, yeah, like I said, BJ is the guy here. He hits uh, Jimmy Jacobs with an exploder suplex for the win. This is after he does like a double exploder to the other two guys. So anticlimactic. I'm like, oh, that's it. But they do a deal where uh, Tony Mamaluke makes uh, Alex Shelley tap out. Like, I think they were trying to do a thing where he tapped out at the same time the three count was made, but he definitely tapped after. So I guess they're setting up a BJ Whitmer versus Tony Mamaluke match at the next show, which I guess is what people are paying to see. But The two adult men. Yeah. 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 I thought this four way <laughs> was really good, though. As far as like all of the multiple person men matches on these shows, I thought this was one of the better ones for sure. It it wasn't a mess. I'll say that. So Mama Luke <laughs> knew what he was doing. Yeah. Shelly was never. I don't think Shelly's ever been bad. Um, no, he, he was him. There's a couple people on these shows that it's like, okay, they're good, but they definitely get a lot better within like a couple of years. Oh yeah. Shelly's freaking fantastic. Like he's so underrated. Yeah. At least in my opinion, but yeah, here he was good. He wasn't there yet, but like you said, he was what? 20. So yeah. 20 years old, like wrestling for two years or something. It's crazy. And yeah, he Jimmy Jacobs just was the ping pong ball of the match. Yeah, Huss indeed, Huss indeed. Well, so let's let's let's, let's just get into some uh, some some riveting storylines here. So we got the prophecy versus the group, which is uh, their group name, the group. So uh, that that group was started by Steve Carino, but you wouldn't really know because he didn't show up on either of these shows. He actually hasn't been in yeah. Ring of Honor in a few months at this point, which is really diluted the appeal of the group because here's the group that that was represented on uh night of the grudges which by the way night of the grudges the main event was uh the prophecy versus the group it was christopher daniels donovan morgan and um dan moff versus samoa joe cw anderson and michael shane so here the group samoa joe cw anderson michael shane there's definitely a one of these things is a shit ton better than the other kind of deals here. So <laughs> that that faction doesn't do anything for me. Michael Shane, you you said you you saw a lot of potential in Michael Shane, and I I guess I I agree. He's just not there. He's like almost good, but to me, he's just always going to be in the shadow of Shawn Michaels, his cousin. Yeah, I mean, if I didn't know he was Shawn Michaels' cousin, I wouldn't have. Like, if they didn't tell me, I wouldn't have freaking known. He would have been better off if they kept that a secret, I think. And well, and then in TNA, um, like he his finishers were the the elbow off top and mm-hmm. the sweet 
or the well the sweet shame music at first and then he changed it to the head-on collision so pretty cool I, it's, yeah and it's like i mean he did a good super kick or whatever but it's like it just kind of like every time mikey bats would come to the ring oh he's billy kidman's cousin like is that something to brag about oh is he really i didn't know that yeah they oh they would beat that freaking home oh we couldn't get billy kidman but we got his little cousin like <laughs> shit i think i i Started watching my rewatch of TNA like towards the end of Mikey Bats, so maybe I just didn't get the full uh, experience. Yeah, uh, Mikey Bats was okay. Uh, I never, I wasn't like, I, it's not like Billy Kidman was like a star or anything either. So, I mean, right, whatever. Well, we'll do a separate episode dedicated to Mikey Bats in the future. Oh, yeah, that's like a two hour show right there. Oh, we got a lot to get into about Mikey Bats, that's for sure. Of course, yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the prophecy versus the group. It's a, it's a, a feud that's been going on for a while. Based the basic premise is that the prophecy does not. They they hate the code of honor. They don't shake hands. They they do all the sports entertainery stuff like interference and in matches and all that stuff. Whereas the group, and this this is kind of where the disconnect is because it, it it's it comes off to me like the prophecy is the babyface team here, whereas the group is the heel team. The group, they respect the code of honor. They respect ring of honor, but they're dicks. But Michael Shane's part of the group, but he's been known to not shake hands. So it's really just convoluted and stupid, but it comes to an end here. Maybe they're just yeah. putting a bullet in it, I suppose. But the whole thing is that the whoever loses the match, their faction must disband. And uh, thank God, because they need it. Yeah. Well, what do you think about the code of honor? I guess, first of all. Well, the code of honor, I... I'm, I'm like 50-50 on it because on one hand, it was new. Uh, you didn't really see that in wrestling too much uh, or ever. So I thought it was a cool concept. But at the same time, I don't know. I didn't really care for it because like even, even some heels would abide by the Code of Honor. And I'm like, yeah. So you guys just spent the last 20 minutes beating the shit out of each other. And then you're like, you know what? Good game, man. Like, shake hands. Like, what? <laughs> Unless it's a blood I... feud, which commentary would beat us over the head with repeatedly. They, they would let us know what's a blood feud and what isn't. Because then the Code of Honor doesn't apply. Oh, well then. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, it, it's okay sometimes. Like, I will say this. I thought, like, if you shake hands before the match whatever but they had too many of the and and this might be me being jaded in 2022 because i've seen it abused so much kind of like you know the like we talked about the moves mm -hmm. but there's so many matches where it's like uh let me hold the guy's arm up and it's like oh he did great and let's pose together and whatever I'm, like, I'm so tired of seeing that shit it's like get up and kick him in the balls like I don't you're not allowed to do that. That goes strictly against the code of honor. It's like you don't even pay attention. Yeah. How dare you? You can't suggest that you can, you, you must shake hands. No outside yeah. interference. No sneak attacks, which I feel like is outside interference. But whatever. Uh, <laughs> no harming the officials and no purposely disqualifying oneself. So oh, see, I. I I didn't know all that. I always thought the code of honor was just shaking hands. So you don't I, have this like on your wall somewhere. You don't give it a tap every time you walk through the threshold of your door. Oh yeah, I should. I I have it on the 
the uh, headboard on my bed so I can, you know, see it as I'm falling asleep at night and wake That's up good. and, and like slap it like that. And yeah. You got to shake it, you know, like you're shaking somebody's hand. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. I, I have it. I have it on the, the, like when I lift the toilet lid up, it's right there. So when I pee, sometimes flex of pee, get on it. So. Oh, that's something. <laughs> Do not. Never mind. That's a whole thing. Uh, but the match itself, prophecy versus the group. Um, my first question here is what the hell is up with Dan Moff's face? He has like tape. So, well, I, I do know he got attacked at the last show. Smojo need him in the face one one time. He just need him in the face. Now we're here two weeks later like and Dan Moff has a bandage like um, in a U shape, like around his chin, like wrapping his chin. Apparently they, they, they're telling me that he dislocated his jaw. Does a bandage help with a dislocated jaw? I wouldn't know. It's I'm like not the a doctor. Maybe, thing. I'm, maybe I'm an asshole. But yeah, it's uh, like, well, it like the rib tape thing. I'm like, does that really help? Especially when it looks like most of the tape is around your stomach. Yeah. Yeah. So I I don't know. I think it's just for show. I I I'm oblivious because I didn't even notice. <laughs> well, let me tell you this. It fell off like within the first ten seconds. So that's probably why you didn't notice. Okay, which just adds yeah. to the stupidity of like some guy like put tape on his face. It's like, oh, and the lighting is dark. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was strange. But uh, the match is what it is. This is the main event of Night of Grudges. It didn't really suck me in that much. Maybe because it's CW fucking Anderson is in this match. Um, How dare you? He's the Anderson. He's the enforcer. Have you heard? Yeah, the the hardcore enforcer, the extreme enforcer. Whatever the fuck. I don't know. Something. Um, but yeah, Daniel, the, uh, the, the, the group is dominating in the beginning. Joe definitely appears like he's like the an- annoyed big brother of the group. Like Michael Shane will keep tagging himself in. And I did think Michael Shane have a, uh, had a, he had a pretty good showing here, but better than he normally does. Um, but ultimately like Daniels gets the baby face hot tag eventually, which is bizarre to see. Cause he's been one of the biggest heels in the company thus far. He gets the, uh, Best moonsault ever on a CW Anderson. And then uh, the match kind of breaks down. Everybody starts hitting their big moves. You got CW with a superplex to Donovan Morgan. You got Michael Shane with an elbow to uh, CW. You got uh, or to whatever the fuck, Donovan Morgan. Daniels breaks up the pin. Dan Moff off the top rope with the headbutt to Daniels. Or to, see, I don't even know who this, who's on whose team. Uh, to Michael Shane, uh, Joe breaks it up. Uh, uh, Morgan and Daniels hits, hit their double team finisher revelations onto Michael Shane. Everyone's in there hitting their finishers. But then ultimately, Dan Moff just rolls up Samoa Joe, the Ring of Honor champion, and gets the win it's out of nowhere. It's like a jackknife pin out of nowhere as he was countering Joe's Muay Thai knees. So, uh, yeah, Dan Moff pins the ROH champion here. What you, what you think about this whole deal? Uh, I didn't get to see it. Like, I will say I didn't get to see a whole lot from Dan Moff in this match to really judge him. When we do see him again, he's okay. He's he's not bad. Um, yeah. Nothing I'd be like, oh, man, have you heard of this Dan Moff guy? He's you know great. I mean, which... You know, nobody clearly nobody scouted him for the big leagues. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, Joe, yeah, I mean, it, in his defense, so I think 
Joe shine here and there, but this wasn't exactly like, you know, a highlight reel for Joe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought the two standouts in the match were Michael Shane and Christopher Daniels, just because they did yeah. the, the most. I would agree. Uh, Michael Shane, really, I'm like, he must be a rookie because he's just wearing like generic black biker trunks and <laughs> like black and red boots. And I'm like, okay, he's about to be in TNA in like a year. Maybe, yeah. actually, maybe less. I don't remember. He, he's in TNA before they hit FS1. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he and is. he's got he's got tights by that point teaming with the coolest Frankie Kazarian. So oh, is that was that what his name was? Yeah, he was the coolest. That's which when you call yourself <laughs> yeah, when, when you call yourself that it instantly negates it. So look, I like Frankie Kazarian, but I don't necessarily necessarily think cool when I think of him. But well, what's his nickname me. now? Uh, the Elite Hunter. No, oh God! Uh, well, no, <laughs> I guess had, I got him. Yeah. Uh, well, no, he had a, another like w- when he would come to the ring, they're like, uh, "That's him, Frankie Kazari, or some sh- some something effing stupid." I'm like, <laughs> well, and- or, or no, it was yeah, I think it was you guessed it, Frankie Kazarian or some shit. I'm like, what the? Oh, uh, that stinks. I yeah, that. but. I, Michael Shane, I think, was derailed by WWE trademarking the name Michael Shane. And then Matt Bentley. Well, first he was Michael, just Michael, mm, which right. cool. Uh, and then they couldn't come up with anything better than they're like, fuck it. You're Matt Bentley. That's your real name. Like, ew. Yeah. Then he became uh, Maverick Matt that was at least better than Matt Bentley, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's up there, but yeah, I I don't know this match though. I said, and it's an indie thing and whatever. They still do it. And freaking AEW to this day, too many big ass, like moves that should have ended the match. And they're like, no, 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 no. Break up the pin. We've got to do more moves. (laughs) Well, I do like the fact that there are always people to break up the pins and not just people kicking out of big moves. And to that, in that way, yeah. I did. It. I, I was fine with it. I like that better than AEW, where it's like I've hit my finisher on you ten times and you still keep kicking out. It's like fighting spirit, Joy. Fighting like spirit. There were a few matches. I'm like, just, are you gonna have to stab this mofo? Like, what's going on? Sometimes you do. Sometimes you gotta put a crown of thorns on a guy's head and then drive him through a table. Yeah, well, I mean, or hit the one winged angel on him, then you know that, that that's that's it. That's like pulling. That's the equivalent of pulling out a gun. Like yeah, it, you're done. Murder or one winged angel. There's there's no other way to finish a match. I'm yeah, with it's, you. it's the equivalent. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, some Dan Moff gets the win over Samoa Joe. So the group has to disband. Uh, we hardly knew ye. The oh, group. damn. Don't know how I'll recover from this, but uh, Dan Moff, he pins the champ. So uh, the next or in a couple weeks after that at Russell Rave, he uh, has earned a title match against Samoa Joe. So at Russell Rave, it's Samoa Joe defending against Dan Moff. And uh, this is a weird one because the prophecy, you know, they're a heel faction, even though they weren't really portrayed it in the main event previous that we just talked about. But they are a heel faction, a dastardly group of fellas and a, and a lady. 
but Dan Moth, his uh, father died the night before this show. And it's a very abrupt, like, because they cut to this match and then Gabe on commentary, because he's always like high energy. Like, and then it cuts to him. He's like, oh, we got a very serious uh, situation here. Dan Moth comes out and his uh, father passed away last night. It's just a weird atmosphere. I guess the, they, the crowd knew and Dan Moth, he does, you know, he points to this guy, like all that stuff. So that, that, yeah, it was a cool moment. It was cool that he got this chance to be in right. a, a main event or not, you know, middle of the show. <laughs> I just... I just like how it's like I'm, I'm trying to envision that meeting in the back where it's like, hey, Dan, uh, sorry to hear about your dad. Um, I, he's like, how would you like to job out the Samoa Joe for the world title? <laughs> I mean, it's worse guys to job out to, I suppose. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. I, I Hey, you've got to have contenders. All right. Not not everybody's going to be that one. All right. No, no. Yeah. And Samoa Joe at this point, he was, I mean, he's. Because you, I think you kind of mentioned this. He's not really the Samoa Joe. He's not the finished product for sure. Uh, right. I don't. What do you think about this iteration of Joe here? He's getting there. Uh, was this his reign of terror or not yet? Uh, yeah, it, it's towards the beginning of it. Was yeah. It? Okay. Yeah, because he held that title for freaking ever. Pretty much until he, he went a, to TNA. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he had some. I mean, the stuff against. Uh, Takeshi Morishima, his stuff against um, K- Brian Danielson, uh, yeah, uh, Kenta, the uh, God, why am I Loki, Nigel McGuinness? Homicide, yeah, Loki, yeah, uh, Nigel, his stuff against Nigel McGuinness is my favorite, probably. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, he, I mean, he gets better. It, it gets better. Uh, he, I, and he gets to the point where I mean, he's he's pretty much there now. Where he's just like, man, I'm just gonna beat the shit out of this guy <laughs> in the other corner, and like, and he does. So, and he brings it to he brings it to TNA eventually. So, and mm-hmm. they bring him in as a killer. And it started off hot with Joe and TNA, and then it just kind of petered out after a while. I'm like, oh god. Yeah, but yeah, we're definitely um, physically wise, probably peak Joe here, or at least close to it. Um, Getting there, yeah. The bleach blonde hair and the white boots were a weird choice. It definitely didn't look like it was funny. Like the first at night of the grudges, he looked like Samoa Joe. He had black hair and black boots and the traditional trunks. And then night two is like a completely different aesthetic. That threw me off a little bit. My favorite in this, you mentioned the white boots. My actual favorite ring of honor attire he ever wore was like a only wore it like a couple of times. I think in ring of honor Mm -hmm. um, was his normal trunks where it's like the four, like it's the two colors, but they alternate in like four patterns, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was like blue and white. And then his boots were, were white. Like it was just, it was a change up from what he, the color scheme he usually wears. Cause usually it's black and then another color. Mm-hmm. So the white and blue, I thought was cool. Uh, he wore it a few times, I think his champ. And I don't know. He just, he stopped wearing it after a while. I'm like, that was so different. I liked it. Yeah. It, it like puts you in a place of like, oh, this is like a big time match kind of deal. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, Joe versus Dan Moff here. It was a fairly decent Hoss fight. We didn't nothing really lit my fire about this match, honestly. Um it was mid card too. <laughs> yeah, it was the the intermission main event. So it was like after this is intermission. Nothing um, screams important world title match like right before the intermission. <laughs> like, because 
you got Trent Acid in the main event. Okay, you gotta you gotta put that there. Well, hell yeah, you roll out the red carpet for him. All right, no disrespect to the dead, but come on. I don't think he had had a singles match in Ring of Honor at this point, but um, but yeah, Joe, this tradition like the, those kicks on the outside against the barricade were brutal. He did a couple of them in this because those barricades, I don't know what kind of metal, like aluminum or some shit. But they're so loud when you hit them. It's so good. Um, but they, they make their way back into the ring. Moff goes for the burning hammer, uh, but gets blocked. Joe goes for the coquina clutch, but that gets blocked. Moff hits a huge Saito suplex. Um, and then they do this little deal because Joe does when he's Joe's in the corner, Dan Moff charges him and he hits him with like a Uranagi. Then Dan Moff does the same thing to Joe. So they have a little battle of that against each other. Dan Moff then goes for the burning hammer again. But again, Joe fights out, has an enziguri to the back of the head and then a dragon suplex for the win. Uh, interesting way to finish this match here. But uh, yeah, like I yeah. said, it, it was it was a decent match, but it's probably nothing I'm going to remember. A couple weeks from now no not, nothing stuck stuck out to me other than the finish of him pinning him off a bridging dragon suplex i'm like okay sure and why not yeah i thought this was like one of the most average matches i've ever seen out of samoa joe it, mm. and it's not his fault um it's just i it's it it was fine I mean, I guess we got to commend Dan Moff for coming out here and wrestling a match the day after his dad dies. I'm sure, you know, that plays a part to it, too. And Dan Moff, he had spent pretty much the first year of Ring of Honor in a tag team and and hit squad. So um, he hasn't really had he's probably only had like one or two singles matches in Ring of Honor. So I'm sure that plays a part into it as well. But uh, yeah, Dan Moff, he gets a standing ovation afterwards because the crowds, you know, they're smart to what's what the deal is. But (laughs) one thing that I didn't notice so Joe gets the pinfall, it's whatever, and then they do the code of honor thing, they shake hands, and they, they do this deal where Joe like puts his head on the mat, and I think what's supposed to happen is Dan Moff is supposed to also put his head on the mat, but it's like he didn't, they they like couldn't sink on it, so it was this weird situation where they were like, you know, like those birds that go in, you know, those like <laughs> neck-neck things, it's like yeah. they, they were on the same page, but that was just a little aspect of it that made me, made me chuckle oh, at man. the end there. But, uh, yeah, but bigger and better things for Joe in the future, I suppose. But uh, what else we got here? Well, we also uh, both both shows represented the uh, the pure division, which is um, not really a division at this point. They're not. I don't know if they're really calling it that. They don't. They definitely don't have the title yet. But uh, we had a couple pure style matches here. Probably the most notably was Matt Stryker versus Chad Collier. Uh, and the second night in a tap out match. Um, what what do you think about these two guys, Matt Stryker and Chad Collier? So Matt Stryker is honestly a local legend around here. I'm I'm not even being sarcastic about that. Like, oh really? He's yeah, he's a legend in the like the I know this hell of a region, but like the tri state area around here. Um, he was big in um, uh, I don't know if you ever heard of Heartland wrestling. Um, I think so. Yeah. Heartland championship wrestling, I think it was called. Uh, But anyway, it was before OVW came along. And I think uh, during a little bit during OVW, uh, it was a feeder system for WWE and they send people, you know, like uh, road dog and some other ones needed some 
time off, you know, to, to train and recover or whatever they'd send them in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Matt Stryker was like one of the top guys around there. He's one of the trainers. Um, so, uh, in, when I did, um, the local indie stuff, I worked with his, uh, son actually. Um, oh, really? I, yeah. And Andrew, Andrew Stryker, I, sorry, I forget off the top of my head. It's been a while, <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, no, Matt, uh, from everything I heard, he was really good from here. He was, I liked the matches, um, that he had both nights, but his style is stuff that I like. It was stuff that we'd get over in England for sure. Or, uh, yeah. Europe, uh, it was very catch as catch can Matt style. It was cool. There was, he had a style of like, if anybody knows what I'm talking about, like one of them where it's like, they do some holds, they roll around, they do a move, they stand up, and then the crowd like golf claps. Right. Yeah. So like the crowd was into it, to be fair. They were definitely uh, or at least they were like respecting it. There was no like boring yeah. chance or anything. Yeah, and I mean it wasn't it, it was a it was a huge change up from the high spot indie rific bull crap, you know, from other matches. Mm. Um, but it was yeah, it was just chain wrestling, mat wrestling. I will say about halfway through towards the, maybe the last third of the matches, both both matches he had, um, mm-hmm. they would start to heat up and they'd start doing a lot more. But yeah, I mean, with that kind of style, he was great. Um, mm-hmm. But with his size and that style, it's not hard to see why it, you know he wasn't picked up by one of the, the big time companies. Yeah, it's kind In of like... Because honestly, I wasn't really into any of these matches. And you know what? Matt Stryker and Chad Collier, they had a match on one of the earlier shows that I did enjoy. But for whatever reason, I didn't really um, don't know what it is. But I look at someone like Matt Stryker and I compare him to like Daniel Bryan, which maybe is unfair because Brian Danielson, he's, he's one of the best of all time. And he Brian right. Danielson, he has a similar style. But for whatever reason, I'm way more into his matches than I am to like this type of match here with Stryker and Collier. Maybe it's just there's like a natural charisma, maybe that Stryker's missing or. Yeah, I mean, that's part of it for sure. I think the other thing is Stryker just straight does the British catches, catch can, you know, rolling around, hold for hold kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas Brian, he's like, I'm going to chain wrestle you for a while, out wrestle you, do some stuff. And then I'm going to hit a big move or a few right. big moves. I'm going to go into some high spots and then go back to the, to out wrestling. you. So he, he switches it up to keep it exciting where it's not just, you know, 20 minutes of two sweaty guys rolling around on a mat. <laughs> right. Yeah. Cause striker versus collier, which by the way, it's a tap out match, not a submission match, a tap out match, which begs the question, what happens if you can't tap out? Like what happens if both your arms are, tangled and you you're fucked <laughs> then you you, you die it's what yeah. happens yeah <laughs> if you can't tap out you die <laughs> well now i'm interested see if i had that context i would have been way more into this yeah exactly um but yeah i mean it is what it is there was like no strikes until like 10 minutes in so yeah, like like you said, like a Brian Danielson match, it'll be like a waves. It'll be like chain wrestling, chain wrestling, you know, high action. It'll be like up and down, up and down. Whereas this, it just felt like low, high in like the last two minutes. So yeah, it was like the same pace 
uh, the whole match too. It wasn't they didn't speed up, slow down, you know, whatever. It's just the same yeah. even keel. Um but Collier at some point he like starts working the leg on Matt Striker and then uh, towards the end hits a brutal looking dragon screw and then locks in the clover leaf and Matt Striker taps out and Chad Collier gets the win. And I believe I'm correct on this. I think that these guys have had a few matches and I don't think Striker has ever beaten them. So I don't know if that's a story they're going to keep telling or if Chad Collier is just uh, the next big thing here. But um, it is what it is. Like you said, it was, it was, a, it was a change up from the, uh, the SATs and the special K high spot type of stuff. So in that way, I could see what they're doing here, giving you some variety. But uh, it was fine, well, I suppose. Uh, to to uh, paraphrase Tony uh, Tony Schiavone with you know with that dragon screw, it's it's uh, the leg dragon twist. <laughs> I like that. That's actually a fun yeah. name for him. I'm, that's what I'm gonna call it. It's canon in my I, mind now. I still don't know because he always said it was it was always the arm dragon twist and and I think uh, Conrad Thompson asked him he was like so is it the arm drag and twist or is it the arm dragon twist mm-hmm. and I don't think he ever answered so that's like I think he just says things sometimes and hope yeah. nobody asks any questions like Conrad shit just comes into my in my brain comes out my mouth damn it <laughs> that's how commentary works that. generally <laughs> generally um. That's what podcasting is all about, man. Yeah, well, nothing comes into my brain. Things just come out of my mouth. But well, uh, weird segue here. But we got a women's match. Uh, probably, I think, the only women's match on either of these shows. We got yep. Sumi Sakai versus Alexis Lurie, a.k.a. Mickey James. And a pretty damn good match, actually. I was very surprised because um, Ring of Honor at this point have, has had they've had a few women's matches, but they're generally just like they're divas matches. Kind of um, maybe get like two minutes and not that this match is very long. I mean, this match is pretty short as well, but they, they packed in a lot of action in the time that they got. And uh, yeah, I really enjoyed this one. What about you? Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it didn't blow me away, but yeah, it was, it was pretty decent. Uh, it was pretty I, I had low expectations by the way, is probably why I thought it was so good. Right. Uh, I was Blown away, I was like, holy shit, Sumi Sakai was in Ring of Honor back in 2003? Because uh, she was one of the... When they brought in the Women of Honor title, I don't know if she was the first champion, or she was one of the first champions. I think... She uh, might have been the first. Women's, is that different than their current women's title? I think it's their current women's title. Because I think... They called it... Uh, Roxy was their first champion, I believe. Uh, okay, well... I'd have to look it up, but I, I know she was oh. champion there for a while, and I was, and it was like during the the rise of Oscar, and I'm like, is Ring of Honor doing this on purpose? But, right. uh, but I had no idea that, um, yeah, she was in way back in '03, so yeah. I knew about Alexis Lurie, but I had no idea that she wore the same tights like right. forever, like same <laughs> design and every. I was like, all right then, yeah. I mean, she would wear the skirt or whatever when she first debuted in WWE. But yeah, she would go back to pretty much this, which is yeah, very interesting. Yeah, uh, she and she was always pigeon toed and all that stuff. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, some pretty good action here. We got some missile drop kicks by Sakai, surfboards, lost submissions. Uh, the crowd's really into it because I think the crowd is definitely um, 
they're happy to see women's wrestling, I suppose. At least that's how it came off. Even the commentary was still, oh, look at Alexis's belly. Isn't that ultra hot? Or whatever the hell they were saying. It was obnoxious, but. Um, well, it, and you got to think of where women's wrestling was in 2002. I mean, we only had WWE, and they they yeah. had, like, a couple decent women's matches, but most of it was just the, you know, the diva shit, where they'd get, you know, five minutes to go out there and botch mm. a few moves and then go home. <laughs> yeah. This is a, I feel like this period, I mean, you got your Trishes and your Litas and Victoria and Jazz. So it, it's it was like a little bubble of time where it was, like, kind of respected and you know like when trish and lita main events at raw and stuff but then it would go back to um ashley masaro and christy hemi and all that shit yeah. so then, well then they're like uh well you had your good match last week this week is going to be a uh, bikini contest you know? <laughs> have that same match but in pudding <laughs> yeah god, damn, like, god dang it pal we gotta get you wet <laughs> <laughs> that's not what i wanted to hear um <laughs> that's not what any woman wants to hear that's Vince, not so. i don't think so uh, unless you know there's three million dollars on the other side but um but yeah so uh mickey james wins with the slop drop and uh <laughs> yeah that's that's a sentence that was said and that's what happened so <laughs> slop drop all right old, I, I just said she won with some sort of spinning neck breaker thing no it was the slop drop all right then well, um, and this kind of this match did catch me off guard because Mickey or Alexis, she had pretty much kind of just more or less been a valet for AJ Styles, which I guess she kind of showed up with him at certain points in these shows. But um, AJ had a, a match on each show and both match, both matches were uh, really good. Well, one match was, I think um, this match with Paul London at Night of Grudges. This is like the co-main event or something. It was for the number one contenders trophy. And uh, I mean, well, I'll probably ask what your match of the night and all that stuff is towards the end of this. But for me, this might've been my match <laughs> of the month for uh, ring of honor. I don't know. Well, what'd you, what'd you think about this match? Uh, definitely the best Paul London match I've ever seen. It was really damn good. I mean, yeah. AJ has just been amazing since, you know, since go. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, obviously he's, he's improved throughout the years as as you do but mm-hmm. i mean this just shows he was always amazing uh and you know obviously it's odd to say but vince russo saw something in him and made him a top guy in tna so yeah everybody gets one so <laughs> that's it um yeah he uh, it was a, it was a definitely him in london was definitely a, a typical small guy match uh but they didn't go like overboard. I feel with the the uh, high spots. I would say I would say there was a good amount of like brawling and striking in this match for you know amongst all the high spots. Yeah, uh, I did get thrown off by the fact that AJ said, and I get to use the NWA champ, whatever. But he was coming out to Ric Flair's theme song, and I'm like, that was a weird move. That was. And I'm like, uh, little did we know, you know, like uh, was it, eight years later he would. Be Ric Flair's right. uh, like <laughs> Ric Flair's dude, and wearing his robes and shit. Coming out with Ric Flair, man, that's long-term storytelling. And he bitched about it too. Apparently, he was like, "I don't want to be Ric Flair. I'm AJ Styles." And, and Vince Russo was like, "Bro, bleach your hair, bro." I mean, that would have been I'm trying to picture that. Probably wouldn't have been he, a bad look. 
he frosted his tits. He and he he frosted his tips and got a a, a like a one of those cubic zircona or zirconia earrings, whatever. He looked like a boy band member. Well, he's he's always kind of had frosted tips, hasn't he? No, his hair was always just brown. Like, and then mm. uh, he definitely frosted his tips when he was with Ric Flair. I'm like, so you didn't want to fully commit. You just kind of like half did it. Yeah. Like, I feel like that takes more work. But I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, we all frost our tips at some point. Oh, yeah. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> we, all, we all go through that sync phase. It's okay. Yeah. Don't dig into my old MySpace page. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so AJ versus Paul London. So the feud here is ba- they're basically fighting for Amazing Red's love. So <laughs> it was originally. Was? Yes, yes. Oh, and no. uh, <clears throat> so currently the tag team champions are AJ Styles and Amazing Red. Well, it was supposed to be uh, AJ Styles and Paul London teaming up. This was a few months ago. But Paul London had an injury, so he couldn't make the show. So AJ had to find a replacement par- partner which ended up being Amazing Red, and then they would go on to win the tag team titles, and now Paul London's salty about it. Now he's, past couple shows, he's been mocking AJ, he's been using his moves, he even comes out here wearing his headband, I don't know if you noticed, um, wearing similar tights and all that stuff, so it's been like a kind of pissing con. Yeah. Um, And, uh, but yeah, this match, I I thought there was a good intensity to this match is kind of my main takeaway because, you know, AJ and Paul London, they're going to have their crazy spots, the shooting star presses, the, uh, like the chain wrestling, all like the counters and all that stuff. But I thought like the brawling on the, on the outside, there was one point where AJ, he like gets whipped into the barricade. He like hurdles it. And then tries to kick Paul London over the barricade, but Paul like takes his leg and just smashes it against the top of the barricade. And um, that's kind of like the story of the match going after that, going forward after that. He does like a dragon screw in the ring, Paul London to AJ. He does a uh, a shooting star press to the leg, which I thought was fun. And um, does a figure four against the guy that came out to Ric Flair's music against the NWA champion, which is fun. Um but uh, a, uh, AJ hits a sunset power bomb and then a Styles clash, but only gets a two counts. Uh, AJ hits a German suplex onto Paul London. Both their shoulders are down. And then the ref counts three on both of them. So it's a draw. So fun match, really intense match, but ultimately it's a draw. So I don't know. What do you think about that finish there? Boo. That was, I don't know. That was. <laughs> random like oh a double down german suplex spot cool like i don't know it was fine um, yeah. the match itself was good uh great uh, it was definitely one of my favorites of the of both shows uh although you know they were competing for number one contendership for the ring of honor title and aj was the nwa champion so it was kind of a contest of which one of these world titles is more meaningless uh, in 2002 <laughs> yeah. i mean like if anybody thinks in 02 the nwa title meant anything they're freaking full of shit like yeah it was essentially was... the tna world the nwa tna title at this point was TNA... oh yeah that's right yeah because tna came out uh um, mm-hmm. previous year yeah so yeah it was still being nobody gave a shit in 02 um 
but and and ring of honor like hardly anybody knew it knew about it no three it was the underground cool kids you know thing that number one contenders trophy is coveted okay oh yeah right i don't think there's well, a physical trophy but it's still coveted what would have been funny is if they would have went and got like you know one of those t-ball trophies from the corner stores and just like engraved it <laughs> I, sorry i shit you I not the, the, the tag team titles used to be that it was one God. shitty trophy that represented the tag team championships. And I swear it was like a, a bowling trophy that they got at the general store and just try lugging that shit around. Man. <laughs> you bitch about having to put the, the tag titles in your carry on. I mean, it was small. Belts. I mean, you could fit it in your carry on for sure. It was a small ass trophy, but Either, so. yeah. But it's like, what, what if it freaking breaks? Like, it's not like people are actually like, well, then you shell you out know, $5 and get enough another one. Yeah, right. Like those, like those Hall of Fame watches for TNA. Oh, I forgot about those. those yeah, are, they get, they, me and me and Greg used to joke that you know they'd go into the into Universal and just buy like a Simpsons watch or some shit. <laughs> just don't, don't put the camera too close to it. Everybody will believe in it. I promise. Um, but yeah, this was fun. Yeah, what what do you think about? Because the next night or the next you know, few weeks at a uh, Wrestle Rave. AJ would defend the NWA championship against Chris Saban, who uh, another guy that showed up for the first time here in Ring of Honor in these in this month um, with the X Division title. Yes, you got on a Ring of Honor show. You got a T, an NWA title being defended against a, a TNA champion. It's it's a whole thing, and he's also the yeah. ROH Tag Team Champion as well. It's 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 weird, but um, a lot of belts being thrown around. A lot. And uh, yeah, AJ versus Chris Saban. I was kind of underwhelmed by this match. I don't know. What did you think about it? Uh, I mean, if you're comparing it to some of the stuff they did in TNA, yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. I, it was well above a lot of stuff on either one of these shows. So, Agreed, yeah. Um, I liked it. I will always love Chris Saban. Uh, I, he's another guy I always thought was super underrated. Uh, more mm-hmm. people should know who the hell he is. Uh, but yeah, and this was the Chris Saban. I like when I first started watching TNA, this was like the, the Saban I fell in love with. Like, you know, the long, like the there for a while. I don't, I couldn't tell here because the lighting sucked, but there he was like dying it like red, like little mermaid red, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> he had the long hair. He was always in contention for the X title. He was always doing crazy shit. Like Chris, Chris Saban was awesome. Is mm-hmm. awesome. Uh, so and here he still was really good. Uh, he'd obviously get better, but you know, him versus Styles here, I thought was a breath of fresh air, especially after some of the stuff I'd sit through earlier in the show. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it definitely it was like a no bullshit, just a good wrestling match. But um, yeah, like you said, it's probably unfair to compare it against because like where I am, where I'm at now in TNA in my rewatch, it's like 2006, where both these guys are just like on fire so um maybe that's kind of my expectation here um yeah i think they're on they're on spike are they on spike at the point you're at yeah yeah okay yeah so they're like well you know we we can't just dick around anymore you know we gotta actually (laughs) do shit yeah exactly that's exactly what it is but um (laughs) yeah aj wins with the styles clash there's some unique offense here some like like aj does like a flip uh, what was it? He like does like some sort of head scissors through like the first and second rope to the outside. There, there's some unique, any spots in particular about this match catch your eye. Um, the one you just mentioned, I mean, uh, the, 
Well, the thing that caught my eye was the, the finish. I was like, holy shit, we get a finishing move. How about that? <laughs> For a three count. Jeez. Yeah, I, I know. Like, you know, the last, I think you can count on one hand and have, you know, three or four fingers left over how many times he saw that in two shows. Yeah. 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 Like, like you said, it was just kind of a really good match with no shenanigans. So you need a little bit of that on the show. Saban was, the, Saban was not going to freaking win this match. So like, I don't think anybody had, had an illusion yeah. that he was going to win. So, you know, just put on a good match and get the F out. Exactly. I mean, he couldn't even beat just incredible on night of the grudges. So um, I think they were in the same match. They were like in a four way. BJ was Saban? there. Uh, Say Saban wasn't on the first night. Was he not? No. I'm pretty sure. Uh, well, unless it was a bonus, and I skipped here, here. it. Let me let, let me let me let me let me my notes here and see. Um, yes, it was a four corner survival match. John Walters versus Chris Saban versus Just Incredible versus Homicide. Yeah, did I? Where did I? You didn't miss anything if you didn't watch this one. <laughs> yeah, I must. That must have been like a bonus or something because I'm going through. I'm like, I'm not seeing. It was so. I this s- is actually the match where Just Incredible first made his appearance oh, because okay. there was like oh, three right. of them, and then Justin, like somebody, got taken out or somebody, so they needed a replacement. And then Just Incredible came out as the fourth guy, and it was a big pop. And it was the whole thing. Yeah, I see that now. And Homicide just randomly comes in, <laughs> starts whooping ass. Yeah. He really just kicked the shit out of everybody. I was rooting for John Walters here, but uh, what a name! <laughs> that's the name of a guy that's gonna kick your ass, John that's, Walters. I I can see that on the on the marquee of WrestleMania, man. Just yeah. John Walters in the main event. <laughs> Surprised that God. wasn't uh the rename of Walter in WWE. Just give him a first name. It makes uh, it it makes the name Lou Fez sound like you know. Oh man, that's. That that's marquee. Okay, I won't have you besmirching the name of Lou Luthez on my podcast. I'm, I'm a Luthez Mark, you see. Oh, um, you're the one. Okay, yeah, I'm that guy. Uh, but yeah, but that four way, I should mention, Homicide wins. He does uh, like a weird STF onto John Walters, and John Walters taps out and um, pulls him by the hair. How is this legal? I think I have to fiddle through the code of honor to see if that's legal, but I think it's in there. Paragraph six, section eight. I'm assuming it's because it's a four corners match. Therefore, there's no DQ. Maybe. Sure. That's the only thing I can think of. Because I'm <laughs> we'll like, other than that. that, it's Hulk Hogan rules then. Yeah. Um, but Homicide gets the win here. And he, Homicide's in like 20 different feuds at this point. It's very jumbled. He's like, There's one promo in particular that like cracked me up because he's like, he'll cut a promo of one guy and then it'll be like, because he'll be like, Steve Carino, let me tell you something. Once you come back from Japan, I'm going to, you know, whatever. And he's like, okay. And also Samoa Joe, uh, you beat me last time, but I'm going to beat you in our next match. And then he's like, okay, now low key. Now we got to like, he's just like, he's going through all these things. And it's like, then he has a match with Trent Acid. In the main event of Wrestle Rave, so he's just got so much going on. But I mean, I do like. I mean, what are your thoughts on Homicide? He, when, I'm not down with all the, um, uh, like the hardcore stuff. Like I don't know if you've picked up on that. I'm not a. <laughs> so you didn't like the tables and ladders, no chairs match. 
that was fine. Uh, like, I'm fine with it to an extent, but, like, Homicide just is, like, always blood and forks and this, like, crazy shit. And I just, I don't know. But he is a good yeah. wrestler. I mean, he's not like, you know, we just mentioned Lou Fez. He's, you know, it's like, he's mm-hmm. not that. But he's fine. Uh, I enjoyed this. I love the stuff he did with uh, the real LAX and TNA. Mm. Uh, but I mean, homicide just became a gimmick where it's like, you know, he's always doing some hardcore crazy stuff and he goes, and like, that's about it. <laughs> what, what else do you need other than that? I guess so. It's like, uh, it's pretty yeah, cool. Here's, here's homicide. Here you go. <laughs> the same guy, you know, 20 years later, but, um, yeah. So homicide, cause he has that four way, whatever match in the, uh, the first night. And then the second night, has a tables and ladders match versus Trent Acid. And uh, this is like a feud that's been built up in other companies. I think these two fought for like the junior lightweight title in Japan or something. And But it's never really been alluded to. I mean, it's been like briefly alluded to on Ring of Honor, but it's just bizarre to see this as the main event when it's like Trent Acid, him and uh, Johnny Cashmere, the Backseat Boys, they've had a few matches, but for the most part, they've just been kind of underneath guys in a tag team, and now all of a sudden, Trent Acid's in the main event. But I do like Trent yeah. Acid, though, so I'm not complaining too much. Now, I thought the match was fun. There was some fun spots here. Uh, do, you have, do you have any thoughts on Trent Acid? Uh, Trent specifically. Um, so I don't know if you noticed the motion he was doing coming out of the ring. looked like he was calling for a blowjob. Oh, the... He comes out and he starts doing like this, like on the way down, like he's it, playing like, a trombone, dude. Yeah, but it's like it didn't even make sense. Like if it made sense with his music, whatever. But he was coming out to <laughs> "What Up, Gangsta" by Fifty Cent. <laughs> <laughs> did Fifty like, not play the the brass? Yeah, it's like there wasn't even any horns in the song. He's just coming out doing this to the crowd, and I'm like, okay. Wait, he's uh, doing what? Yeah, I, I don't want to. I don't want to make too many gifts out of that one. <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to get all the content I can. <laughs> uh, but like he did an Asahi moonsault at one point. He hit his freaking shins on the guardrail. So I was oh. like, shit. And it like made him, he, he hit his shins on the guardrail. This is like the first 20 seconds of the match, by the way. He hits his shins on the guardrail. His back bends like the opposite way it's supposed to. And he hits yeah. his head on the floor. So it's like, <laughs> we're doing this right away, Trent. Okay. Okay. Well, good thing he was high. And look, I, I have no evidence that he was high. I, I just think it's a safe assumption he was high. I mean, you just look at the guy. You look how he comes out. Yeah. Well, and, you know, it's not like he looked like, oh, my God, that's an athlete right there. But out of the backseat boys, he was the only one that looked like he belonged in a ring. Like Johnny mm-hmm. Cashmere just looked like a dude. <laughs> <laughs> They did. They did work as a tag team, though. I will say they 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 had a really good chemistry, and the matches I've seen have been good from those two. I had always heard of them. I never never saw it. I I've seen a few Trent Acid matches. He was good. Uh, mm-hmm. I think, like, and I've talked about guys. Oh, he he never would have gotten over and whatever. I honestly think if Trent Acid could have been clean and sober, uh, he he could have had a run in one of the bigger leagues i think uh because i mean he was really good he wasn't like super indie rific with the with the stuff he did in the ring at least not here uh mm-hmm. he had a 
a decent look you could work with. I mean, he, he had a similar build to, uh, I think, Joey Mercury. Yeah, I was going to say, he reminded me of Joey Mercury in this match. Yeah, yeah, except I think he was a better wrestler than Joey Mercury. I mean, maybe, I don't know. More exciting, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. Like I said, if he could have stayed clean and sober, it really does suck. I think, didn't he OD or something like that? I think it's something along those lines, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so. but yeah, super talented dude. Match was fun. There's like a, um, after Trent somehow gets up from landing on his head from that assigned moonsault, um, there's one point there's, you know, ladders and chairs and all sorts of weapons and, you know, getting slammed to the ladders in the corner and all the traditional stuff you see there. Um, there's one point where there's some tables set up on the outside and uh, also one table set up on the inside. So it's like Trent's trying to superplex homicide through the table on the inside. But Homicide ends up just hitting an ace crusher from the top rope to the outside through like two tables, which was uh, nutty. That, that was crazy. I didn't see that coming. I thought he was going to go into the inside. So I love that little uh, bait and switch there. Um, but only gets a, only gets a two count <laughs> to your point. <laughs> Somehow we have more moves to do more moves. We got we got some Yakuza kicks. They go like back and forth. They each hit each other with like five Yakuza kicks. Um, Trent gets the better of him and he sets up this huge ass ladder. It's gotta be like a 20 foot ladder and, uh, he starts climbing it for whatever reason. There's nothing hanging from the thing you got to pin your opponent. So I don't know what he's climbing to, but, uh, Bro, high spots, <laughs> figure it out. Uh, homicide shoves the ladder. Trent goes to the outside. Uh, homicide sits up a ladder against the guardrail and tries to hit his tope con hilo onto Trent, but uh, Trent gets out of the way, and Homicide goes crashing through the ladder, And uh, but they both make their way back to the ring eventually. Homicide goes for the cop killer, but uh, Trent Acid reverses into a roll-up and gets the win with a good old-fashioned wrestling move amongst all this carnage. So fun, it was a fun match, I thought, uh, for what it was. Uh, it was way better than I thought it was going to, I thought it was going to be a damn mess. And I mean, it, it was, but Mm -hmm. it was fun. I think my least favorite part of the whole thing was, I don't know. They, they called him J train, uh, Julius Julius smokes. Smokes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, He, he looked like he stepped right out of the movie Friday. (laughs) Like he was like, he was like a cartoon character, like over the top. Uh, but yeah, he, uh, I'm like, well, I don't give a damn about you. <laughs> he got involved. Johnny Cashmere got involved. I'm like, Oh, everybody's partying. Oh, God. And then I think then more people come out. Yeah. Special K freaking came out. Yeah. Like not the, well, that's how you end a show, brother. It was with a rave. Oh yeah. Bring it. Bring out the the uh, lollipop guild and turn on the strobes. Let's go. <laughs> Pass out the E. Uh yeah. And there's like girls in there that are making out with each other. It's like every teen teenage boy's dream. Well, just you know why? Because the lesbians needed a gig after HLA. Oh, yeah. okay. Peaches and cream. They uh <laughs> they were running out of money, so they had to. Get a little indie spot. I get it. Yeah, I get it. You have a gimmick. You got to run with it. 
And their mothers named them that. So, you know, that's really just set them up for being lesbians when you think about it. <laughs> uh, what, what else are you going to go in? What, what other kind of line of work are you going to go into? You're going to be a, <laughs> a manager of a bank. It's like uh, Peaches will see you now. Like, no, the hell she won't. <laughs> oh, my real estate agent cream is on her way over. Yeah, well, so, oh, well, then <laughs> it is what it is. But um, so yeah, special K, <laughs> the show ends with like, It'll be like Special K dancing and all over the arena. Then it'll cut to like a bonus match and then it'll cut back to them dancing. And it'll cut to like a promo and weird move. Rob Feinstein clearly learned from the ECW book of why the F is this going on? It still works, man. It still works. To this day, Paul Heyman says one of the greatest moments in the history of ECW was when Public Enemy had like the crowd hit the F and ring. They started and they were like waving their arms in the air. Like, yeah. That was so effing dumb. Like, like cool. <laughs> nah, I guess. Nah, 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 nah. Yeah. Right. It's like, first of all, who could possibly give a shit about the? I'm, and I know they're dead. I'm gonna offend a lot of people, but nah, fuck them. They <laughs> deserved like, it, right? Go on. A, who gives a shit about the public enemy, man? <laughs> like, God. Like, even even hardcore ECW fans, like I, I brought them up earlier. Like Conrad Thompson was talking about when you see them outside of the the confines of ECW, you get such much more respect for Paul Heyman getting being able to get them over. I'm gonna tell you this. I um and I actually just talked about this recently on a recent episode. <laughs> Public Enemy is almost worthless without their theme music. Yeah, they I, I I love the term. I've used this a couple times. It's like as a kid, I thought their entrance yeah. was cool. I waved my arm, you know, the same thing with Disco Inferno or whatever, although he could actually wrestle. Um, but then that damn bell had to ring, man. And God dang, they sucked. They had like some athleticism to them, but yeah, their matches, it was very much just weapons, 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 pin. They could fall off things. Like, so that they was could. cool. Well, that's ECW for you. Yeah. So. In w- and at and WCW, they went to the wrong place because the tables did no yobs in WCW, man. Yeah. <laughs> watch back those old wait. shows I'm like where did you get these tables and after the first couple times why don't you gimmick them they don't break <laughs> yeah no they, they use real tables back then you know nowadays that table will break and it'll just be like a like a right through the middle and back then it was just like an explosion. Uh, it disintegrates yeah yeah um, I'm like that's where I'm at my timeline of, of that and like I'm right at the end of Public Enemy and ECW and about to experience WCW Public Enemy, so I cannot wait for that. Strap in. I'm strapped on. It's a lot of them versus uh, other teams that aren't much better than them. So, yeah, like them versus the Nasty Boys is just an experience. The Nasty Boys are, uh, I fuck with the Nasty Boys, so that could be good. Um, Something else I fuck with. And uh, I save this for the end because it's probably, in my opinion, probably the most significant chunk out of this month of Ring of Honor is Raven versus CM Punk. So this feud is uh, reaching. Uh, it's definitely been building this upon itself since I've been watching this because at first Raven came in and it was kind of like a fish out of water deal where like CM Punk was like, you don't belong here. You're not you don't you're not a real wrestler. You just do that garbage ECW stuff. And then Raven's just kind of like happy to be there. He's doing like stand-up comedy in the middle of the ring. And he's like, Oh, I'm Raven. Isn't it funny? Um, but then it's progressed to a point to where 
because Punk beat Raven a few times, he even made him tap out at a previous show. And um, he comes out, they have a tag match at Night of the Grudges. So it's BJ Whitmer and Raven versus the Second City Saints, CM Punk and Colt Cabana, which is funny in hindsight watching this. CM um, Punk and the man who apparently shares a bank account with his mother, according to CM Punk. Yeah. Didn't care at this point. Didn't care at this point. Um, we stand Colt Cabana in this house. <laughs> uh, before the match, Raven's like, you know, I made the mistake of coming here and being too happy, but now I'm miserable. And, you know, Punk compares oh, no. himself to <laughs> poor sad Raven. Yeah. Oh, that's just a Monday. It is. It does happen. Uh, Punk compares himself to Malcolm X and Martin Luther King Jr. So that's a thing. I'm glad you you put that in your notes, too. I was like, fuck (laughs) me. And what he was getting at is that he's a he's a thorn in the side of a poisoned America is what he said. So he's like he's like an anti culture or whatever, whatever you want to call it. Um, Yeah. So I get it, but it's, it's funny, funny comparison. But he's basically saying that Punk is saying that his revolution is going to destroy Ravens, the one that he started, you know, 10 years ago or whatever. And uh, Ravens now miserable. And now that's where we're at. And then they have a pretty bloody brawl at Night of Grudges. A lot of fighting in the crowd. It felt like an ECW match, <laughs> even to the point where um, a trash can gets involved and Raven has a fan hold it like that fan participation element. It was funny bringing it back from ECW. Um, BJ's busted open. Everybody's busted open. Uh, they get back to the ring at some point, and uh, BJ or Raven hits the Raven effect on Punk, which is the first time he's able to execute it on. He's been trying to do that for the past couple shows, but he finally hits it. But uh, and he makes the pin, but Colt Cabana pulls Raven out, and then BJ comes off the top with a flying headbutt. But then Colt pulls out the ref. So it's like, maybe we should just take care of Colt Cabana, Uh, which he does. BJ hits him with an exploder, but the ref is out of commission. Punk comes in with a shining wizard with a chair to BJ, which looked pretty sick. And uh, Colt hits the Colt 45 on BJ Whitmer for the win. So the Saints get the win here. Um, But after the match, Punk attacks Raven. So it, it, it feels like Punk now is like threatened by Raven. Even though he's beaten him in the past, it's like a different Raven now. It's kind of the deal here. Um, but yeah, I thought this first match with these two was really good. What about you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it. It was, uh, I'll tell you what, I I love Raven. I'm a low-key, like, big Raven fan. Uh, I always thought he got less than he deserved. Some of it was his own doing. Um you know, and he even admits he had a bad attitude. And I, I know, shocker. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and everybody said he was miserable to be around. Again, shocker. Uh, mm-hmm. But he was super talented. I loved most things he did in the TNA up until, um, probably up until like the serotonin era. Uh, I enjoyed yeah. most Raven stuff. So This title run was pretty good. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I thought it sucked that they... Um, they wanted, they were like, oh, he's not marketable enough as champion when we go to Spike TV. So we have to have <laughs> him drop the belt to Jeff Jarrett on a Canadian house show. 
by the way, recorded yeah. on like old school cell phone video. Yeah, because was... Jeff, because people will tune in more for Jeff Jarrett as champion. Um, yeah. yeah, so they disrespected him, but uh, this was the punk I like. I got first introduced to punk around this time because I had friends who kept up with all the underground stuff and Ring of Honor and CZW and all that, and they would send mm-hmm. me videos and clips and whatever and they're like dude check this guy out check this guy out and um i this is the punk i got really into that's why i marked out when he came out it was it revolution where he he wore the the, the yeah the shorts and he came out to Missouri cantera and i was like man like it just brought me back so i couldn't watch a whole lot of his stuff back in the day but Correct me if I'm wrong, it sounded like one of the promos he cut, it basically sounded like this whole feud between him and Raven boiled down to Punk has daddy issues because (laughs) Punk was like, my dad uh, was a drinker and you're a drinker, so you remind me of my dad, so I I don't like you. Yeah, that's like a... That that is what it boils down to, yeah. That's um that's one of those promos that I've seen before. So it's like one of those things that's like transcended whatever. Um, really good promo, like a, a different level of intensity to this feud that I think it's been missing before this. Um, that might have been after their second match, but yeah, it was. Yeah. The the feud the feud's escalated to a point where it's become really personal. Like um, at Night of the Grudges, their first tag team match, that the attack after the bell, Punk puts them through a table, um, and then at Wrestle Rave. They essentially have the same match, but instead of BJ Whitmer, it's Christopher Daniels. Um, I don't know. Did you have any like preference between those two tag matches? They, they kind of blurred together for me. Um, yeah, I thought. I don't know. The, the second one I felt was, uh, I don't know. I, I'll always choose Christopher Daniels over BJ Whitmer. That's not even a. Well, that's I, a hot take. Yeah. <laughs> not the BJ. I'll say that BJ Whitmer is not bad. Um, and he's a bigger name around these parts too. I think he's from the Southwest yeah. Ohio area. Um, but yeah, uh, the second match I, th- I thought was better, but there was a lot, I feel like there was a lot more hardcore brawling with this one. Everyone freaking bleeds in both matches. So, you know, yeah. uh, you know, gotta bleed. Punk's gotta get the, the blood in his blonde hair and everything. Of course. Uh, so, I don't know. I like Raven. I feel like was doing some of the like physically in his matches. I feel like was doing some of the best work of he, he did in years around this time. So mm-hmm. um, I really like this this era of Raven. Um, I don't know if I said Punk or Raven there. <laughs> you said Raven, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I said okay. So Raven, Raven was physically. I think was doing some of the best stuff in matches at this point of his career, uh, mm-hmm. and I. I had heard, I haven't seen too much of it, so I'm glad I got to see some of it here on these shows. Um, but I had heard of, you know, the Punk Raven feud, and I'd seen some of the promos, but um, I know they have a cage match at one point. Yeah, and they do. I forget what match. show it is. Yeah, so the next show, Death Before Dishonor, is where that dog collar match takes place. And it gets set up here. So at Russell Rave, the second night, uh, the Saints get the win again, um, but this time it's because Punk uses a chain to basically choke Raven, and then he gives him like a neck breaker, 
with the chain wrapped around his neck and whips him with the chain. And Punk's able to pin Raven after this attack with the chain and then continues to choke him. He like hangs him on the turnbuckle. It's a whole thing. Punk's bleeding. Raven's bleeding. I'm bleeding. Like it's a whole it's 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 everyone's just covered in blood and it basically sets up. I think he uh, no Punk leaves. Which, by the way, he leaves after this bloody beat down. Copacabana just starts playing. <laughs> Punk's trying to be so intense. It's just, it was Lola. Oh, it's fun. Their dynamic was so cool back in the day. I had seen a promo where I think they won the titles or they won some big match or something. And Punk yeah. is cutting this like super serious promo in the bag. He's like sweaty and bloody and talking and like doing his like thing right in the camera and then colt cabana comes out with one of those party things he's like like right in his face (laughs) and he's just like damn it and like and he's like dancing around and crap like this is such a stupid team but it worked yeah and um but yeah that's it and then raven after they leave raven basically challenges him to a dog collar match, which is kind of his specialty. I don't know if at this point it was. I know it like he would have a bunch of them in TNA and stuff. So, um, so we got that to look forward to so in the next show. Was yeah. This was it the first match or this match or both matches? What he mentioned, uh, Clockwork Orange House of Fun. That was uh, the first one. That was Night of Grudges because I think the first match was technically a no disqualification match, but they both kind of were. So I don't know, but um, I don't know what made I it, think you, it like what distinguished it from a no DQ to clockwork orange house of fun. At least in TNA, they would add stuff to the ring, like a cage wall and whatever. Yeah. TNA, they would have like one, one side of the ring would have a cage and it would have like weapons hanging from it. And there's actually a really good clockwork orange house of fun match between Raven and X-Pac. Uh, sometime in 2005, but uh, yeah, but there was no cages here, so I was disappointed, but I guess that's in the future for these two. Um, yeah, any other thoughts on this? this, these matches or this feud in general? I don't know. This was, like I said, it was my favorite thing probably, and it seemed like it was yours, probably uh, at least one of your favorite things from the two shows. So I, I just, it, it's grown so much even since then back on it so fondly in the history of ring of honor mm-hmm. uh it was and it was different like i mean yeah you had people doing garbage stuff whatever but it seemed like this was bigger especially because like raven was established he'd been to wcw ecw wwe and now he and he was in tna at this point i think um mm-hmm. i couldn't remember if he popped up yet or not uh, I think he already passed through DNA. Okay. Yeah, because uh, I know he popped up at one point and then he gets his head shaved at some point. Mike Tanay loses shit. But um, mm-hmm. I lost my objectivity and I don't give a damn. Like, that, that was <laughs> funny. Uh, but yeah, it was it was different just because, uh, you know, they had a bunch of different matches. It was a long going feud, blood feud, and Punk was a unique character. Raven was a unique character and he was a legend. So, you know, it, it, I thought it was a cool dynamic. And I think, um, yeah, I really do think uh, Raven, Raven's not 100% responsible for putting Punk on the map, but I think he really quickly raised Punk's stock in the indie scene uh, just with this. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, in a indie scene that's filled with a, bunch of guys in baggy clothes and long hair and 
goatees and high spots like you gotta have something to differentiate yourself and i think this this allowed punk to show his chops on the mic i think and as well his his ability to do like the hardcore stuff and uh, hang in there with somebody like raven who i feel like raven's very underrated in ring like even back to his days in ecw i thought him the stuff him and dreamer were doing was great and all that stuff and even the stuff in tna with rhino and abyss and stuff like that even like Jarrett, like all, all that stuff was really good so yeah it's de- i agree it's definitely elevated punk and the sure. and i i don't know in, in mainstream uh i don't think that straight edge was really popular like uh like you know it, i don't think yeah. the the term straight edge and what it was all about really entered the the zeitgeist so to speak as much so it was it was really unique for the time Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had never heard of the term straight edge until he debuted in WWE. So especially in 2003, I'm sure. But there were people in the crowd doing this. Maybe they just were doing it because Punk did it and they didn't know what it meant. But um, yeah, that was good stuff. But um, yeah, so um, anything else that we didn't cover that you, you were itching to, to talk about in terms of these two shows? Um, I don't think I think you smothered and covered it pretty well for the most part um chopped and diced yeah um let's see yeah i think i would i mentioned the thing about uh matt striker where i said i think um yeah i think if he was about a foot taller shave that stupid unibrow mm-hmm. uh you know and uh <laughs> did you did you do you remember the um it was like a a promo with him and Gary Michael Capetta and Gary's like, what's up, bro? Or what I, or should I say, what's up, brow? Yeah, <laughs> Cause of the unibrow. Nice I, heard, I was like, God. <laughs> so good. Uh, and the other, the other thing is Prince Nana, I thought was a cool character. I, I don't ever need to see him wrestle. Yeah, he would definitely. I, I love Prince Nana, but uh, definitely more so him as like the mouthpiece of the uh, what was it, the embassy, that faction. Yeah, so that, that's really where he shines. He was like a legit African. So, I mean, that was that was cool. And, you know, an African prince for real, you know, whatever. Yes, so, of course. It's not a gimmick. There's no gimmicks in the yeah. of honor. This is wrestling. Yeah, so that was I thought that was cool. Um, and yeah, him being a, a manager and a mouthpiece, a mouthpiece, I thought uh it's the best place for him stepping out of the ring is he's so unimpressive looking <laughs> just like yeah he's like um uh, who who does he remind me of he's like a big child he looks scott like DeMore, maybe i don't know how to describe it scott that scott demore is not where my mind went to but you know what it's not Wait, incorrect back i just so. uh, i thought of scott demore because he was in like he was like a wcw jobber for a while and he was just like a dude yeah like you know his look so mm-hmm. well it is what it is but uh yeah i think that about covers it i guess real quick match of the month and wrestler of the month uh probably gonna have to give it to styles in london for match of the month um style that i'd say would be wrestler of the month yeah i agree on the match for sure um i don't necessarily disagree with styles i'd probably go punk for wrestler of the month just because of how um how awesome the feud's getting and how uh just his performance and the matches that he had with raven and daniels and 
the dynamic with Cole Cabana. But yeah, I think we're pretty much on the same page with that. But he um, definitely evolved well, though. You could see this was like definitely like chibi punk. You know, he was he was about to he was about to grow and and get yeah. better. By the time he hits WWE, he's like you know peak. Yeah, for sure. We're still basketball shorts and Copa Cabana. So we're not even at Miseria Cantare or whatever that song is. But um, yeah. the dog color match, I think, is a big turning point for him, though. For that, sure. That cage match, just all that, the the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely a, uh, I mean, it's a main event program that I marked for. But speaking of which, the main event marks podcast is a podcast that you should all check out listening uh once again troy thank you uh, once again for checking out the shows coming on discussing uh where can everybody find you and the main event marks podcast uh, all of our links are on our link tree link tr.ee forward slash main event marks uh you can find us twitter facebook instagram i'm on twitter most of all at, at main event underscore marks and uh i tweet a bunch of stuff uh, we're trying to grow our YouTube channel, so there's like exclusive content on there with Marks on Media as well. So sometimes I'll review a show or a movie or games or you know whatever stuff like that. So uh, we're growing, right? And uh, yeah, we're trying to expand our horizons, cover a little bit of everything, kind of like you do from the past. So uh, mm-hmm. check it out. Hell yeah, yeah. I uh, just I listened to your In Your House three review earlier and I, I don't like you besmirch the, the name of uh hog but i'll let it slide this time i, I will say out of out of the uh i think henry henry godwin was uh was pretty good uh i he had a horrible gimmick i mean it worked for 95 i guess but uh he mm. was uh head and shoulders above phineas so there's that <laughs> i mean that's Body. not really saying much. how did his theme song go again wasn't it just like freaking fiddles <laughs> Or, or we, no, it was like pigs. Like, what, what did it sound like? I don't, I don't even remember. I just I, I just know the the uh, whatever they play on Peacock. I don't know if that was their actual theme. But it was just like real hard fiddling going on. Oh, I, so. <laughs> I was hoping you would oink, you know, to yeah, close I, I know, that I out for us. But, for. Um, I wasn't, I'm, not a, I'm not a barking seal. Okay. <laughs> Once again, thank you to Troy from the main event marks. He had like a mariachi band in the background. Towards the end of it, I don't know if I uh, was able to edit it out or not, but we'll see. We'll see. But um, I think that only amplifies the experience for the viewer or for the listener. So, uh, <laughs> no, but always a good time with Troy. Fun, fun episode. Uh, like I said, go check out the main event marks uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, check out their merch. Check out the link tree. That will bring you to all of this stuff, all the ways you can support them and follow them on social media. And uh, check me out, why don't you, apronbump.com for all my full episodes. If you like this type of episode, you can go to Ring of Honor. You can go to, um, don't go to Ring of Honor. That doesn't exist. Uh, (laughs) Not anymore. Um, As much as AEW wants to have you believe that. Go to apronbump.com and uh, go to the episodes tab at the top. You could select Ring of Honor. And that'll bring you to all of the ROH Shows that I've covered thus far, I started from the beginning and I've worked my way chronologically up until now, about halfway through uh, 2003 and started all the way back at the beginning of 2002. So it's been a journey. It's been a rocky one. It's been a uh, it's been riddled in feces, but there's some there's some dandelions in the in the in the feces. So, um, yeah, 
once again, thank you guys so much for listening. Love you all. Big, big smooches all around. I'm hard. It's a hard talk around and disregard it. Ship you off the ground, show you what hard is. Standing strong and proud, nothing can I guess. Let's get it started. It's a hard